The views and opinions of today's broadcast are not necessarily the views and opinions of the TJRS radio network. Thank you for being a loyal listener and enjoy the show. Online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS radio network. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Good morning, and welcome to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show, the show where we discuss politics, social issues affecting people of color, and every now and then a little comedy as well. Now here's your host, Jay Ryle. Good Sunday morning to you. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. Today is July 18th, 2021. And here are the topics that we will discuss this morning right here on this week's edition of the serious side of the Jay Ralph Show. Yesterday's ruling from Judge Hanen in Texas proves that our lives in the country are still up. While I may have DACA for the time being, this is not the reality for my parents who always carry the fear of potentially being targeted by immigration enforcement and deported. And why would people go this far? Okay. Let me tell you, when the, when the majority of elected officials decide to bully something into effect that harms people across the board, and especially people of color, people with disabilities, women, you name it, I want somebody to stand up, and they should not be vilified for standing up to protect this democratic process. These are all symptoms of a larger issue, and, and that is our society and this separatism. And, and even now, you know, I, I again thank the FBI for their, their work, but in this, in this day and age, you know, we should not be concerned um, about violence and terrorism just for participating in the democratic process. Trump responding tonight after that bombshell reporting involving America's top general, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley. The new book claiming Milley was concerned former President Trump could stage a coup after losing the election, likening Trump's actions and words to the rise of Nazi power in Germany. On his last day, on his last day in Washington, just before he left, Michael, you were with him, just before he left to return to Atlanta, just about a few days ago, a couple weeks ago last year, last day, John Lewis went to Black Lives Matter Plaza to see the movement go into the future. It was such a beautiful, beautiful smile on his face to see his work going into the future with Black Lives Matter, and they will have a vigil in his honor tonight in Washington. Online radio at its best. Jesus, we thank you that when we don't know what to do, we can turn to you. Lord God, we thank you that when um, things around us seem crazy, you are there with us. Lord God, when we are going through a storm, you are there in the boat with us. Lord God, we pray for everyone we know who is unwell, for those people that are suffering, who are going through difficulties. 
Lord, those people that have the virus, we pray for people um, that are having to isolate. Would you be near them? Would you be close to them? We pray, Lord God, for people who are away from their loved ones because of this virus. We pray that you would comfort them. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would remind us each day that you are with us, that we can rely on you, that we can put our hope and our trust in you. Amen. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is our call in number. Welcome in. It is the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. Like they said, my name is Jerry Rouse. I'm the host. Thank you so much for being here. I never share the stage by myself. Vanessa Maybell is in the house. Mr. L to the E is in the house. Welcome one, welcome all. Good morning, Vanessa. Uh, how are you on this beautiful Sunday morning? Good morning, everybody. So blessed to be here. And we are blessed to have you here. Thank you so much for gracing us with your presence. The one and only Mr. L to the E to the S is in the house. Good morning, Mr. L.E.S. How are you, sir? Well, good morning. Good morning to you, too, my friend. Good morning, Nessa. Good morning, Marianne Music. Good morning, Kathleen Williams. Good morning, Rick Sister. Good morning, Mama B. Good morning, my brother Hawk, and good morning, my brother Jerome. All right, boy, I tell you what. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Elias, you know why we're doing that this morning? Uh, some very tragic news this past week. You want to uh, fill us in just in case those people do not know or anyone were living under a rock. They don't know what's happening, man. Biz Marquis, my man. Yeah, Biz Marquis passed away at the age of 57. Uh, had to be yesterday. Yesterday he passed away, man. Wow. This man, brother, brother, got me through a lot of, lot of, lot of college days, man. Big, big Mark, he was the man back in the day. Wow. This, wow, unbelievable, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it is unbelievable. At the tragic age of 57, I'm hearing it was because of, due to complications diabetes. of diabetes. That's what uh, the initial reports were. Um, wow. It just makes you think uh, that, hey, um, you know, if you're in your 50s, in your 60s and 70s, we have officially yeah. entered the fourth quarter of our lives. Yeah. So you have to make each day special. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's just one of those things. You know, it's uh, you're all born to die. My, my okay. mother used to always say, "There's none of us going. Hey, none of us going to make it out of this thing alive." She used to always say that to me. None of us are. You know what? Your mother lived a really, really long time, a really long, blessed life. So you got a lot of encouraging words from her. A lot of knowledge yes. going on from her. Yes. Yeah, and that's oh, something. Definitely. None of us going to make it out of this thing alive. <laughs> that sounds like mama boy that's that's crazy but that's a true statement you know it's interesting um Vanessa what's going on with you how's your week been so far I mean you know um how's everything been going Vanessa you know uh I had a little minor um procedure done in the office uh Friday uh at my doctor's office so I'm just kind of well I think it was Thursday yeah, I'm out of it. Thursday. So I stayed in the house, which is not like me. Friday, and I didn't leave the house for yesterday evening for a couple hours. So I'm going to church this morning, but I'm doing better than I expected and Bobby expected that I would be doing. So 
God bless uh, that I'm doing okay. Uh, other than that, I'm not doing too much of anything. I'm getting ready to do that sample cruise um, mm. in August in two, mm-hmm. uh, in two and a half weeks. And um, and then I'm getting ready to do uh, a tournament, a four-day bingo tournament in Vegas in October. So we are really excited about that. So other than that, you know, we got our big Labor Day family event out at at the RV park on the water in Freeport um, for Labor Day. So just our normal getaway activity. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Mercedes, come get that pretty Mercedes and bring that baby girl down to the water for a couple of hours and hang out with her. You really should. I may do that. I may do that. All right. I may yeah, do that. I may do that. I may. Sunday, and then we go to another park, water park that Monday. So put, put baby girl in that it's pretty baby girl in the pretty Mercedes on that oh pretty and come on Stop. down there to the water. Yeah, <laughs> we may do that. We may do that. That we may do that. That we may do that. You know, uh, Miss Elias. You know, we always take a few minutes just to kind of rap and clap amongst ourselves. You know, Stephen A. Smith is in a little bit of hot water this week because of some comments he made about a uh, Asian-born player. Uh, I don't know if you you know anything about that. I, I, I've heard inklings about it. Him and the uh, I the, the international uh, uh, the, for the the guy for the Olympics. He's in hot water too as well. Yeah. Okay, I didn't hear about that. What happened with that one? Yeah. Uh, he said, uh, he, he made a derogatory statement, a slip of the tongue, as he was talking about the Olympics. And he said something to the fact of a, derog- a derogatory statement about an Asian person. So, you know. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, most of our show. Yeah, most of our show is, you know, most of our show we address issues that, stupid issues that people say. Uh, the numbers, once again, is 347-850-1272. Uh, we have a jam-packed show for you, a lot to get into this morning, uh, as always. Now, I see Jackie's in the house. Are we bringing Jackie in now, or are we bringing her in after the, the break? Still uh, we can bring her in now. We can bring her in now. All right. We can bring her All in right. Now. Well, there you go. Well, let's bring Jackie in. Good morning, Jackie. Welcome into the Siri Aside. How are you? Oh, my God. What is that going on? Supposed to be outside. Saying a quick hi. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How's everybody doing? We're doing outstanding, Jackie. It's just good to hear your voice. Anything you want to share with us while you're doing whatever you're doing? We we know what you're doing. But anyway, anything you want to share, Jackie, before we get into this show, since you blessed us with your presence this morning? Well, just definitely glad to be here. I'm on my way to church, so definitely I will be listening, tuning in. I hope you all are having a wonderful and blessed Sunday so far. All right. Well, Jackie, we thank you for listening on your way to church, and we thank you for sneaking in a little bit of some some doing service. You like Pastor Steve. Got to hear peace in his well, ear concealed. To the show at church. Well, I, well, I don't know. Ask Jackie. Jackie, how do you listen to the show at church? <laughs> well, I'm on my I'm on my way. I'm on my way to church. I'm on the train right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, do you be listening to the show in the church house? Lord, I'm okay. 
Alright, Jackie. Well, safe travels on your way to church. Say a prayer for the show and say a prayer for all those who need prayer. And uh, we uh, we appreciate you as always, sis. Be safe. Traveling grace to you as you make your way to the house of the Lord. Appreciate you. Say a hallelujah for your boy. Cause I need one. All right. Uh, once again, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. A lot to get into this morning. Uh, so after this NPR news update, we're gonna get right into this. We have a lot to get into. We have a lot of topics on the agenda. And so, without any further ado, we'll step out, take a break, get you updated, and then we'll be back with the show. It is a serious side. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Man, it's just a beautiful day. We'll be right back after this. Hi, from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. Rescue workers are searching for survivors in the aftermath of one of the worst flooding disasters to hit Western Europe in modern history. The death toll in Western Germany and Belgium has topped 180 people. Rebecca Rosman reports from Brussels. While the number of those unaccounted for has dropped significantly, officials say there are still dozens missing. They expect the death toll to continue to rise as the cleanup gets underway. Several villages surrounding Liège, Belgium's third largest city, were all but decimated. Dozens of homes flattened, street pavement cracked open, and cars overturned. Firefighters and soldiers there have brought in tanks to scoop up the rubble and what equates to millions of euros worth of damage. For NPR News, I'm Rebecca Rossman in Brussels. German Chancellor Angela Merkel says the situation in flood-hit regions of Germany is surreal and terrifying, and she promised the government will quickly step up with financial aid. Merkel spoke to reporters after visiting a village that was devastated. The latest flooding in Germany came overnight in Bavaria's Berchtesgaden district bordering Austria. Three of the Texas House Democrats who broke quorum to travel to Washington Washington, D.C. have tested positive for COVID-19. Texas Public Radio's Jerry Clayton has more. One member tested positive Friday evening. Two others received a positive result Saturday morning. Only one of the three has shown any symptoms. The Democratic caucus says those who are positive will isolate for 10 days. While none of the COVID-positive Texas Democrats have been identified, vaccinations were required for the trip to Washington. Nearly 60 House members left the state on Monday to block Republicans from passing a voting restrictions bill. The Texas Democrats have spent the week in Washington meeting with various members of Congress. Most all of them are staying in the same Washington, D.C. hotel. Republican Governor Greg Abbott has threatened to arrest the members when they return. I'm Jerry Clayton in San Antonio. Two controversial GOP lawmakers held a brief rally in Southern California last night. Representatives Matt Gates of Florida and Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia staged an outdoor event east of Los Angeles in the city of Riverside. The event drew several hundred people. Matt Gillum, a member station KCRW in L.A., reports the outdoor rally came after multiple venues in the area refused to host the duo. Three venues across Orange County and Riverside backed out of hosting gates in Green, prompting them to hold an outdoor rally in front of Riverside City Hall. Hundreds showed up and cheered on a laundry list of false claims the pair spouted, including that Donald Trump won the last election. Their supporters sparred with protesters, but things stayed peaceful. Forecasters are warning of dangerous wildfire weather at least through tomorrow in both California and southern Oregon. Where the bootleg fire, the largest burning in the U.S. right now, is growing amid dry and windy conditions. The bootleg has burned an area larger than New York City. You're listening to NPR News. 
Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Online radio at its best. President Joe Biden said on Saturday that the Justice Department will appeal a deeply disappointing ruling by a federal judge in Texas that ruled DACA was illegal, blocking new applications to the program. In a statement, Biden said, quote, This decision nonetheless delegates hundreds of thousands of young immigrants to an uncertain future, but only Congress can ensure a permanent solution by granting a path to citizenship for dreamers that will provide the certainty and stability that these young people need and deserve. Welcome back in. 347-850-1272 is the calling number. It's the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network. Online radio at its best. Immigrants and advocates are urging Democrats and President Joe Biden to quickly act on legislation to protect young immigrants after a federal judge in Texas on Friday ruled illegal an Obama-era program that prevents deportation of thousands of them brought into the U.S. as children. DACA, which was created in 2012, was intended to provide temporary reprieve to undocumented immigrants who were brought to the United States as children, a group often described as dreamers, many of whom are now adults. We'll start the conversation right there. Um, you know, Texas has been in the news a lot, and, you know, a great portion of our show today will be dedicated to some of the things that are going on in this state. And, Mr. Elias, you get the first word, as always, now that a federal judge has ruled this Obama-era program as being illegal, what do you think, what happens next, man? What do you think happens with uh, this program? Now, before you answer, let me make sure that I'm clear on something. It won't affect people who are already in the program. What the federal judge is saying that the Obama era program was illegal, it didn't follow whatever standards that were in place, and so uh, the U.S. government cannot accept new applications, but people who are already in the system will be processed. That being said, what say you? Well, Jay, look, man, uh, these people are trying to do the right thing, and they're trying to come in here legally. And now you're telling me that they can't even fill out the paperwork applications to become citizens? Really? Well, now, now keep in mind, Mr. Elias, now keep in mind, DACA is, now we're talking about children who were brought here as, they were brought here as kids. Yeah, they were, yeah, 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 exactly. So they're here already. Okay, all right. So you're saying that they're trying to get this process started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, bottom line is this, man. I watched a story about uh, immigrants that uh, they were building a robot uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a California school system, and they, they beat out uh, people from MIT, and all these were, 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 were people like that, man, who, didn't, who came over here across the border 
and they were trying to get their citizenship. One of them even joined the military. So he joined the military, and then you know, as, you know, as he got done serving, they they took it, they kicked him out, put, took him back to uh, to Mexico. So I mean, it, it, as long as these people are trying to be, you know, responsible citizens, and and, and they're trying to do the right thing, why don't we want to accept it? There's nobody here except the indigenous people that uh, that that belong to this nation. So uh, I know the Statue of Liberty says, "Bring me all your poor, all your underfed, and everything else." But it, it sure don't believe it. Don't believe in them, does it? Come on, man. You know, if they're trying to pull out their paperwork and do the right thing, let them pull out their paperwork and do the right thing, and come in, come on into the country. I don't understand it. If they're trying to be responsible citizens, why why can't they be? Why are we trying to block this? You know, I think that uh, now, Vanessa, I, you know, based on some previous conversations we, we've had, I'm pretty sure you have a different take on this. Why don't you uh, give us your thoughts on, you know, the federal uh, judge here in Texas ruling that uh, DACA is illegal. Um, what do you think about uh, that ruling? Give, me, give, give us your thoughts, please. You want me to get in trouble with people this early in the morning? Well it's, not, well, it's not getting in trouble, Vanessa. You're an American citizen, and you have the right to your opinion. Now, now, Mr. Elias may get his feathers ruffled a little bit, cause he, but that's okay. You have the right to voice your opinion. So, you know, I mean, just in case we have new listeners, you never know. I mean, the numbers are increasing every week. Just uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on it? Just, you know, straight up. Okay, so... Ooh, I'm finna get in trouble. Yep, you are. Don't lie. Let me see how I can say this. I don't. Okay, let me let me try to figure out how to say this. You always put me on the on the on the. What is the topic? He's not putting you on the spot. Okay. Can't. We can't take care of. Everybody and every child that come across the borders, we can't. Now, let me tell you what they do do so y'all will get a general idea. When I was a social worker, they would have, and it's fine, they would be illegal. When I say they, I mean mama, daddy would be illegal, but the child... They would come over here and have a baby intentionally, and the child would be able to get all of the social benefits, which means that the parents get to live off of it. And a lot of times, ooh, this is going to get me in trouble. A lot of times they would name the child just like their name so that the child would get a social security number, but the daddy could work off of it or the mama could because the name was exactly the same. Now, when I left that field after nine years and started working at the airport, I started at the counter. I, I, I saw the exact same thing again when it came up to the counter, the daddy and the, even the mamas. The, the children had names just like their mamas if they were girls. I can see if it was a junior, but they don't even add the junior on them so that they could get a social security number. So I understand what everybody is saying, but they do plot. They do plot a way 
to come over here across the border and be able to have benefits and services that is for that American child, but the rest of the family gets to benefit and profit from it. I've worked, forgive me, I've worked my ass off to when my birth certificate was changed from being 15 years old to 16 so I could work. I did not work, and I'm 50, until be able to take care of other children all my life. I just didn't work at the age of 15 for that. Now, on the other hand, there are Hispanics that come over here or whoever that come over here, and they work and do jobs that American regular people don't want to do. And while they're standing there lying through their teeth saying they're taking our jobs, you will lie. Because all the yard men that I see in my neighborhood, except for my daughters and maybe this other one, they're all Hispanic. You don't see a lot of yard men companies that are black. She had to find that black yard man. So don't stand there and say they're taking our jobs when you don't want to be a yard man. You don't want to be a, tr- a person out there picking up trash and doing these jobs out there and standing at Home Depot trying to get a job. So it's a give and take here. I just think it has to be a certain number of people that come over that we take care of. It's got to be a way that they go through the process that they just don't flow through here and drop these children off. And then people who are out here working just take care of all of these children. It's got to be some kind of way to stop some of this. I don't agree. I don't necessarily say that they can't come there, but it's got to be a way to stop some of it because they plot to come over here and how they're going to survive. I'm telling you, I've seen it. I've processed it. Been there, done that. That's actually pretty smart. (laughs) No, that's actually pretty smart. I mean, (laughs) it was really thinking outside of the box. Okay, okay, but let's. I'm just saying. It's true. Okay. Let's chop it up a little bit, though. Let, let's 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 talk about what you're saying because, listen, uh, people may be upset with what Vanessa is saying, Mr. Elias, but what I really think she's saying, and you know, think about it. I mean, at some point in time, we just can't keep letting people in. But what do you do if you say that you're the nation? You know, we're the beacon of, on the. You know, we're the city on the hill. We're the beacon of democracy. How can we say, now you're talking about kids who came here due to no fault of their own, and they were brought here as infants, and so now we're saying we're going to send them back to a country that they don't know? I mean, it's almost like saying that, okay, we're going to send all the black folks back to Africa that, uh, you know, I mean, you know, we're going to send them back to Africa, like, okay, hey, I don't know about no Africa, don't be sending me nowhere, I'm from, you know, I was, look, I've been here ever since I can remember. Right, and that may be a poor analogy, but my point is, is that you're going to take a child who knows nothing but America as their home and put them back into an environment that they have no clue. They can't speak the language, in in, in a lot of cases. I mean, so it's a dilemma. I mean, we have to be real about that, right? I mean, because we just can't keep accepting people in. But Vanessa also brought up a good point: is this, you know, there are jobs. Hispanic people work in those fields. They do all these jobs that other Americans don't want to do. So they're providing, they're contributing to the economy and to society. So how do you resolve this issue? If you're the president, Mr. Elias, what do you do next? 
Well, his hands are tied right now because, you know, Mitch McConnell and the crew put so many uh, judges in place that they're going to they're going to side with them. So let's just call it what it is. But, hell, like I just said, if these people are being productive citizens, they're working, and they're not, you know, and, 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 and they're doing what they're supposed to, they, they should be allowed citizenship. Why is there such a hell of a time to, to, to take the path through citizenship? I had this argument with a guy at work. He said, well, they should done like what? Like I said, well, like your people did who went to the port of New York and, and got signed up that way. Come on, man. I said, there are no people here. When you tell me to go back to Africa, I tell you a weak ass to go back to Poland because you're from Poland because your people from Poland. So don't hand me that crap about where, where, where I should go back to because your ass ain't from here either. I hear Poland. I mean, I mean no, whether you're German, whether you're Irish, you should go back to Ireland. So when you tell me to go back to Africa, your ass should go back to Ireland. Come on, man. There's no people you know here but the indigenous people. Long time ago, Leslie, they used to say go back to Africa. My, uh, and I was a little girl, and they would say that comment to my mom. My, oh, my mama had a bad mouth. And my mama would tell them, I didn't come from no MF in Africa. <laughs> 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 That's what my mama would tell them. Because they say go back to Africa. My mama would tell them, she ain't come from no Africa. I mean, why don't you, you know, so she would just cuss them out. I know when I was a little girl, but white people used to say that to my mama. Mm-hmm. But they, they, I mean, we got a lot of nerves to tell somebody to go back, go back to where you're from. Hey, you go back to yep. where you're from. Come uh-huh. on, there's no unless you're you know, like this. You can't unless claim they that. could find, unless if they could find a way for the ones that are here now, what you just said, or I mean, stop it and let's take care of the ones that are already here that didn't ask to come here. And let's get them processed legally. You know, they if it takes two years, it. that means they need to stop it. Excuse <laughs> me, from coming in for two years and then open the gates or whatever it is. But they can't keep having three, four thousand children a week coming in, man. Well, but okay, I, okay, but I'm with you. Okay, but but here's the deal, and, and listen, I think that. You know, I think one we talk about Democrats and their messaging, and you know, folks are just branding Democrats as an open border politicians. We want everybody to come in. You know, listen. One of the knocks against President Obama is that President Obama deported more people than you know any other modern president here in recent history. But he also put things in, in, in place. Well, I, well. Okay, but listen, I mean, you, you, okay, but here's the dilemma that they have. The dilemma is, on one hand, you know, like, like your mother said, I'm not from no MF in Africa. You know, I, I, how about if somebody take, take you back to, 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 to your, you know, hey, go back to Africa, even though you're an American citizen, but you were brought here against your will, right? So those kids were brought here against their will. You were brought, African Americans were brought here against their will. So she said, go back to Africa. Man, I don't know anything about no dang on Africa. What are you talking about? So it's a dilemma. And I think that, you know, first of all, I think the Democrats, they really and truly have a problem on their hands as far as trying to figure out how to move forward. But Republicans are not helping. You know, one of the things I, I admired about George Bush, which is one of the few things, is that he was all about trying to put in some type of comprehensive immigration bill. 
because, I mean, come on. I mean, what do you do? You can't throw them out. Like They're him. here. Because you know his family was rainbow. You know he has a rainbow family. So, and that's what he called him. That's where I got the name from because that's what he called him. And, yeah, Jib. Uh, isn't Jib married to a Hispanic lady? Uh-huh. Sorry? No, I was saying, isn't his brother married to a Hispanic lady? Jib? grandchildren and nephews and nieces. Yeah. I mean, his, if you look at the family picture, it, they are all mixed up in there. Mm. So that's why he's doing that. But I didn't find all that stuff out about him until later. But, yeah. yeah. That's why anyway. he's doing it, though. Well, 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 yeah, I mean, yeah, but, you know, the thing is, is that, uh, I mean, what's right, what's right and what's wrong is what's wrong. I mean, so, I mean, listen, I, I'm not a fan of George Bush as far as his policies, but after four years of what we just had, George Bush looks like a saint. And, that, you know, that's saying something. That is saying something. You, that is saying something. All right, folks, we're going to stop out and take a break. Now, we're going to do something that's a little different in this week's edition of uh, Informative Celeste uh, because we talked about Texas. This is a Texas judge, and Texas is in the limelight. The next topic we will be talking about is what's going on here with voter suppression laws. And so in this week's edition of Informative Celeste, something that you need to know, uh, a.k.a. Kavina Time, we're going to make it different because Sylvester Turner – who is the mayor of Houston, was interviewed and was asked questions about this. And you know how we lead every segment with a little bit of a sound bite to set up the conversation for that particular segment. As I was going through listening to uh, 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 Sylvester Turner, uh, I couldn't find anything that I could leave on the quote-unquote proverbial uh, edit room floor. So we're going to do something different. Instead of saying in four minutes or less, we're going to say in ten minutes or less, I'm giving – Mayor Sylvester Turner, 10 minutes, I want us to hear in its entirety what he said when he was asked about Texas Democrats fleeing to Washington, D.C. It's some good stuff, and you need to hear it all. So coming up next, it's Kavina time. In 10 minutes or less, something that you need to know, then we'll be right back to talk about the topic in just. Uh, it's, uh, man, I, I wasn't a real big fan of Sylvester Turner because I know some stuff about Sylvester Turner, but I tell you what, he has uh, proven uh, to be a pretty decent mayor, uh, regardless of how you feel about the man. All right, so it's Kavina time. In 10 minutes or less, something that you need to know, we'll be right back to discuss it in its entirety right here on the serious side of the J. Ryle Show. Don't go anywhere. 35 minutes after the hour. Quite frankly, all eyes were on Texas before the Democrats uh, decided to utilize every tool that's in their toolbox. People were already talking about this state, number one, for having the most restricted voter uh, laws in the, in the country already. And then on top of that, uh, now the state is moving to ban 24-hour voting, limit drop box locations, ban drive-by, uh, drive-through uh, voting, uh, impose civil and criminal penalties. This is nothing to do about voter integrity. And so let me just caution, just because someone says it's about voter integrity doesn't make it so. Uh, and that's why people are responding. What I will say to you is that you cannot forget the history of the fact 
that there were a lot of people who were denied to vote in this country. And people had to, you had to uh, name a list, a number of bubbles and a bar of soap. You had to pay poll tax. For a long time, even women were not allowed to vote right here in this country, okay? So the only group really that has been allowed to vote from the very beginning were white males. After that, everybody else has been fighting for their rights. And so the very fact that Texas, the leadership, would move to impose even more voter-restrictive measures of that would be intimidating and, quite frankly, suppress the vote is astonishing when the state attorney general, in his own investigation, okay, only found 16 cases out of 11 million, okay, and so we're dealing with this issue. So I, I applaud those Democrats who are taking a stand. It's not about fleeing. It's about utilizing one of their tools. I was in the legislature for 27 years, and you have to have a quorum. That's one of the tools, just like you have other measures that can suspend the rules. And so why is it okay for the leadership that wants to pass these suppressive bills to utilize the tools to make it easier to bring bills to the floor, okay? Nobody talks about the rules that they have changed. I was there for 24 years, I mean for 27 years. In the state senate, if you had 10 members in the senate who said no, a bill could not come to the senate floor. That was to create the spirit of bipartisanship. The lieutenant governor changed those rules so that he would bypass the minority and bring bills that he knew were not good for the state of Texas to the floor. The very fact that these Democrats are utilizing their tools, uh, look, I, 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 uh, I applaud them for that, because how much is your vote worth? And what would you, what would you do to protect your vote? Well, the vote to me is fundamental, okay? It is my right, and I applaud representatives who are exercising every tool in their toolbox to protect people's right to vote. I subscribe to the view that if on this day you can prevent a wrong or an injustice from occurring, that is a victory for this day. Tomorrow will take care of itself. But the reality is on this day, based on the actions that these Democratic leaders have taken, we are not in this state having more voter-restrictive, suppressive, and intimidating bills that would deny people their fundamental rights. So I'll let tomorrow take care of itself. Hopefully, hopefully, though, the attention that's being brought to this matter will bring other people to the fight, and other people's voices will be raised uh, in, this, in this whole discussion. Tomorrow is to continue the battle to keep these bills from coming to the floor of the Texas House or the Texas Senate and being voted upon. Look, my hope would be, for example, that the governor and the lieutenant governor and other state leaders will recognize that you shouldn't take steps to uh, restrict people's right to vote. And I'm talking about eligible voters. Let's be very, very clear. I'm talking about eligible voters. What is, the, what is the basis for these bills? Out of 11 million votes that were cast in the last election, the state attorney general only has come up with about 16 cases out of 11 million. So is that a, the reason? Is, does that justify eliminating 24-hour voting, eliminating uh, uh, restricting drop boxes, imposing civil and criminal penalties, eliminating drops and voting? Does that justify that? giving more authority to partisan poll watchers. And this is on top 
of the most restrictive voting laws in the country, right here in the state of Texas. So I'm not going to worry about another election, the next special session. As a legislator that was there for 27 years, the position that I took was you deal with this day. On this day, you do whatever you can do to prevent wrongs from taking place. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Well, number one, the governor, the governor speaks over speaks. Number one, it's not about being arrested, okay? It's not about being arrested. Nobody has created a, a, a violation. The Speaker of the Texas House, for example, can put a call on the House. All that simply means is go and bring the legislators back. It's not about being arrested, okay? That's, 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 that's not the case. Uh, the reality is, you know, a part of the rules say you have to have a quorum. Well, people have a right to show. They have a right not to show. That is their, that is their right. That is a tool in their toolbox. Just like the rules say you can suspend the rules, okay, you can spend, suspend the rules to take up something that you couldn't take up the day before. The Republican leadership have done it over and over and over again. One of the reasons why these bills can come to the Texas Senate floor is because the lieutenant governor and the majority suspended the rules. Nobody talks about that. So if I elect not to come, to prevent a quorum from being established, to prevent people in their respective districts' rights from being taken away. The right to vote is fundamental for people of color and for women whose, whose vote was denied just because of who we were. That's, that is fundamental. And I want my legislators to do any and all things within their toolbox to make sure that people in this city have the right to exercise their fundamental right to participate in the democratic process. Now, the governor is not saying that. He also said, well, they're on the government's payroll, I mean, the government diamond. What, people are, what you all are not reminding people is that he line item vetoed the pay to these legislators and their staff. He vetoed Article 10, okay? I was on the Appropriations Committee for 21 or 27 years. Number one, it's unconstitutional what he's doing. Nobody's talking too much about that. But he line item vetoed as if in the appropriation bill to pay to these legislators and their staff. They're not flying on the, on, on the government's dime. Okay, that's not the case. And people need to remind us that legislators make $600 a month. $600 a month. The fact is, they are leaving their families, their children, their loved ones, in order to protect not just their rights, but the rights of the people in their respective districts. And why would people go this far? Okay. Let me tell you, when the, when the majority of elected officials decide to bully something into effect, that harms people across the board, and especially people of color, people with disabilities, women, you name it. I want somebody to stand up. And they should not be vilified for standing up to protect this democratic process. And then, just because the governor says something doesn't make it true. And neither do people just have to repeat what he says. Somebody needs to be asking the difficult questions. So let's not place the blame on legislators who are exercising one of the few tools in their box.
to make sure that many of the people in this room continue to have the right to vote. That's their duty. I applaud them for it. And I hope people will financially support them. And I'm not going to worry about the governor saying we're going to call here, call one session, one special session after another and another and another. Then do it another and another and another. But for this day, at least on this day, these oppressive, suppressive voter election bills are not the law of the land on this day. Tomorrow, we'll take care of yourself. Online radio at its best. Welcome back in. 347-850-1272 is the call-in number. It's the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network. Texas House Democrats left the state on Monday in a second high-profile effort to block controversial GOP legislations that critics have slammed as voter suppression. The Democrats, in an attempt to again break quorum and stop votes on two election bills, said that they are flying to D.C. where they plan to push the federal government for voter protections. We wanted to let you hear uh, Sylvester Turner, the Houston mayor, talk about this particular topic. Now we're going to give you our take on it. Let's start right there. Vanessa, um, once I started digging into this and looking at exactly what these legislators are dealing with, first of all, I didn't know they only made $600 a month. That was a newsflash for me. And the fact that they, they had to leave the state, leave the state in order to prevent these Republicans from putting in these bull, ooh, almost curse, BS rules, because Donald Trump can't accept the fact that he lost a freaking election. And so they want to get reelected. I was just looking at something just a few minutes ago. We think that this country has gotten past Donald Trump, but so far this year, the Republicans have outraised, fundraised the Democrats by $9 million. I mean, these are troubling signs for a nation who has gone, who has just come through four years of that lion red bastard, a nation where folks, that its own citizens, try to, you know, they try to, to, to do a coup. You, you can't call it nothing but what it is. They tried to form a coup. They interviewed a lady the other day, said had Mike Pence stepped outside, they'd have shot and killed him. They were looking for blood, but yet and still you have House Republicans, Senate House Republicans, I mean Senate Republicans, all of them catering to this lying idiot, a guy who continues to lie, a guy who continues to try to use anything necessary to get money in Texas. Democrats should be applauded for what they're doing. They're making a huge sacrifice, and I don't think people realize how much a sacrifice that they're making, Vanessa. What say you? We ain't through with Trump. Every time I turn around, that's why I don't look at the news as much as I used to, the other news, because even if we listen to AM on, in the car, Trump is still out there, and I'm still getting emails because they think I'm a Republican. And I like to get the email so I can see what they're doing. 
because it's sometimes good to know what the enemy is doing. So Trump is out there saying that he needs money um, to fight the election because he, too, thinks that he's going to run in 2024. And, you know, these people are donating money to him. And that is the reason why they are ahead as far as donations, because you got those people with those Trump signs that sit in their front yard that say Trump, and the other ones say Trump 2024. Not making it up, seeing it with my own eyes, see it all the time when I'm out camping. So that's how they're getting the money, Jay, because he's filling their head with stuff, but little do they know there is a disclosure at the bottom of it that says this money can be used towards legal fees for Donald Trump. So if they don't read all of it and they just click on that 510, 15 through 500 to 2000 and then they go to other, then um, they will see where he can use that money for his defense. And that's probably what he's doing it for. They just stupid enough to keep donating to him um, and read the bottom line. I don't even think they care. Even if they read it, I don't even think they care because they really think that they're helping Donald Trump. They really do. But all they're doing is just helping him to pay his legal fees. But it's at the bottom. I don't get it. It's at the bottom. Next time, if I can click down that far, I feel like it. I'm going to snap a shot of it so y'all can see uh, what the donations look like and what they're saying at the bottom of it that people probably aren't reading. But I don't think they care. And as far as Texas goes, Abbott is trying to be Trump's buddy because, or the Republicans' buddy, because he's trying to get back in office. You know, he wasn't, yeah. um, I think he stood in for somebody or something, because I looked him up the other day to see what was going on with him. And I think the election for him is November 2022 when I looked it up. So he, so he's just trying to get on people's Republicans' good side and trying to act like Trump by doing all of this stuff, but he got some 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 Republican white people that don't like him. He got quite a few of them that don't like him. So yeah, well. you gotta watch out because it's not just Hispanics or black people. He got white Republicans that don't like him. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, Mr. Elias, when we uh, always, it seems Texas is always a part of our show lineup because of all the things that they're doing for voter suppression. And I go back to these Texas Democrats who left the state. Uh, you know, I was listening to one story how one young lady, they sent the sergeant of arms to her house. They thought she was still in town, but they didn't see her on a photo of Democrats, you know, riding a plane to D.C. They sent the sergeant of arms to her house. By that time, she had already made arrangements. Think about this. They're leaving their children. They're leaving their families. They're leaving their jobs to do what's right. Here's a question. The last time anyone within the sound of my voice has made those types of sacrifices for the betterment of others, I can't think of one person, not that I know personally. You're going to sacrifice your job. You're going to sacrifice your family. Because you know in this day and age, people can find out where folks live. So no telling who, what, how, and what. Of course, yeah, but but Vanessa, yeah, I I did. Well, well, listen, I, I'll say this: that yeah, I did uh, 
raise my hand to serve this nation. There's no doubt about it. But but if you know, if we want to be real about it, you know, not at any time there was always that opportunity that I could have left my family and been served. I could have served in a war war uh, region. Yeah, I, that could have happened. It didn't. It almost did, but it didn't. But you know, these people are making real sacrifices. Yeah, I put myself out there and I did sacrifice. Uh, said, hey, I want to serve this nation, and there was a possibility I could have gave my life for this nation if the call of duty would have required me to. But these people are making, you know, I didn't go, I didn't decide to leave my family, leave my job. You know, like like uh, Mayor Turner said, they're not using, they're not getting paid by, they're not even getting the six hundred dollars. Because this guy went in and did a, a line item veto and and took that and not so he's not so they're not paying the legislators they're not paying their staff so these people are doing this with their own money leaving their families behind for the greater good and I'll go back to what I said I don't know of anyone I know personally who, who's done that I mean I know some friends who have gotten killed in the military so I guess I shouldn't say that but. Once again, I'm talking about here in recent history. I don't know anyone who would who have made that sacrifice. What what do you have to say about this particular topic, Mister Elias? Well, these people are, are true true heroes to me, man. Yes, they they, they yes. stand up for what's right, man. You know, the bottom line that it gets no 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 more simpler than that. They're standing up for what's right, and they're they're fighting for our right to have a democracy. As to whereas the Republican Party, they can't win anyway but cheating. So that's the only way they can win. You know? Right. And they always talk about a free and fair election. Now, you don't want to have a war. That, that's a hypocrisy there. When you talk about a free and fair election, when you gerrymander districts, when, you, when, when, when you, you put judges in place so you can rule, and now, you, now, now, now it's all coming to, coming, coming to fruition when you sit there and say, you know, we're going to take it out of this, the attorney general's hand of that state, and, gonna, and, and all the elected judges that we put in place, they're determining who won the election. This is, this, is, this is what they've been doing all along. So now it's just all coming into place. And, and for the people, for the, for the Joe Mansons and Kristen Sinemas and, and Washington, D.C., they should look at these people and say, damn, if they can make that sacrifice, why can't I? Why can't I make a sacrifice and, and, and turn around that filibuster and vote against this and get the voting white laws passed? Because it's that damn important. But no, what they do, they'll sit there and they'll play, the, they'll play the game. Well, I don't like this and that. I don't like that and that. Well, hell, what, what are you going to like when your democracy is taken away from you? So for, for, the, for, the, for the Democrats in the, in, in the Texas House, man, you guys are my heroes. And, you know, and if I can, and if I can donate money to you, in any way, form, shape, or fashion, I will, because you are taking that sacrifice to the next level. We need to put our money where our mouth is and stop talking about it. So if there's a way to help, if they got a fundraiser, go to uh, GoFundMe page. I will be donating money to it. Amen. I've been donating for years. Amen. Yeah. Because they're going to need, like the mayor said, they're going to need financial support. Because, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm in awe of what they're doing. I, I really am. Because they have to go to these extreme, think of, you know, there are times where I really wonder, is this just a bad dream that, that I'm living? Because I can't believe people of 
any type of intelligence believes that what this man has been saying, this man is in the former president, if there's any rem- anything remotely true about it. You heard what the mayor said. Out of all the millions and millions of votes, they found 16 cases of possible voter fraud. And the fact that they are making all these different changes to vote, they're doing this for one reason, Vanessa, and one reason only. They want to be reelected, and they know that this is catnip for their base, and they know that if they come out and tell the truth, that Donald Trump will go to some rally somewhere in their state and say, hey, this guy is against what, we're, what we believe in, and they're going to put up a Trumpster to go against them, and this person's going to be primary. That's what they're scared of. So instead of doing what's in the greater good of their constituents, they are so concerned about their greater good and the lifelong pension that they'll get. As, and, you know, it's just this, this thirst for power. It is something that I've never, I've never seen anything like it. Jay, did you hear about the shooting yesterday in the Galleria? No. Did you hear about that? They shut the Galleria down in Houston, Texas, which is supposed to be one of the best places to shop in the world, other than like Sugarland. They said so. They shut it down because there was shooting in the Galleria. Let me say this. If you think that some white people out there of West Timer ain't mad because shootings are going on and robberies in the Galleria parking lot, underground parking lot, Governor Abbott has got some stuff, baby. Those people probably were furious yesterday when they got locked down in the Galleria for hours because of a shoot, because the shooting was going on. So wait till September 1st. When folks can really show out with these guns, we don't see what these, that's what, that is what, but we know the black people mad about the guns. But what I tell y'all, that these white people are mad about people being able to put guns, they really mad. Because now the black people get to pack a gun on their hip and what you going to say to them? So they don't even like, some of them in some places don't even like walking by you. And you black, and you in Houston. So, y'all, we gonna have some stories about these guns. You watch, you watch, Jay. Me and you gonna be having this segment a whole lot during the Christmas holidays here in Texas. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we have digress. Okay. I mean, thank you for that information. I didn't know anything about that. I'm, no, I'm glad you brought it up. No, no, no I'm just saying I didn't know how that. What, okay. Yes. Yes, what does that have to do with voter suppression? I know that um, I thought I heard uh, Senator uh, Joe Manchin, and we, we have a, have about uh, 30 seconds left in this segment on this. I thought I heard something about Joe Manchin was willing to work around uh, to, to, to do a carve-out for voting rights. I mean, I can't, 
I was trying to look it up while Vanessa was speaking. I can't find anything on it, but I thought I heard that earlier this week that there was something out there that he was considering a, a workaround, not getting rid of the f- filibuster. And I'm trying to find the right terminology um, to, to use. I can't remember, but it, I've been heard. I heard the term a carve out, where you can keep the filibuster in place, but but to use a carve out just to get you know, uh, the voting rights bill passed. I thought I heard him say he'd be open to that. I thought I heard him say that. Have you heard this or no? No, I have not heard it at okay. all. You know, right. he's going to have Chris and Cinema's got to get on board with it too, though, isn't she? Well, that's true because yeah. with the slim majority, yeah, with a slim majority, mm-hmm. uh, you have to have everybody stepping up to the plate mm-hmm. and doing what they need to do. Well, yeah, it's interesting. Whew, I tell you, boy, the great state of Texas at it again. All right, 347-850-1272. It is time to step out and take a break. On the other side, we have so much to talk about. I mean, my God, what a packed show. Plus, we're going to remember later on in the show, John Lewis, uh, the one-year anniversary of his death was a few days ago, so we'll talk about that great person as well. You're listening to The Serious Side, 347-850-1272. We'll be right back after this. Don't you go anywhere. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network.
Every other child gets a chance at economic equality. Every other child gets a chance at living the best life they possibly can. Doesn't he deserve a chance to? Learn more at NAACP.org. Online radio at its best. In those now unsealed documents, federal prosecutors say those two men began hatching that plan just shortly after the 2020 election. They had a plan to firebomb that Democratic headquarters there in the state's capital. Welcome back in 347-850-1272. It's uh, six minutes after the hour. You're listening to the Serious Side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. Two Northern California militia members, one of whom stockpiled weapons and explosives, have been charged in a plot to blow up the state's Democratic headquarters in Sacramento, according to a federal indictment unsealed on Thursday. Uh, Ian Benjamin Rogers, 45, of Napa, California, and Gerard Copeland, 37, of Valerio, uh, uh, California, allegedly unhappy with the outcome of the November presidential election, plotted to attack in hopes of sparking a movement of broader violence, according to federal prosecutors. Days after the election, the two men began discussing uh, attacks on targets they associated with Democrats, including the governor's mansion, the Bay Area headquarters of Twitter and Facebook, according to the an earlier court filing. All right, let's uh, start the conversation right there. Uh, Mr. Elias, um, you know, we talk about how, you know, this nation, the effects of Donald Trump's lies. Here's just another case of people who are just upset with the election because their person didn't win, talking about firebombing the Democratic uh, state headquarters in California. And sometimes some of these stories are so surreal because it's like we really live in this nation. You know, you watch this stuff on the news. Look at what's going on in Cuba. Look what's happening in Haiti. And you say, okay, this can never happen in the United States. But then January 6th happens. And then you ask yourself the question, my God, there's a possibility, right? I mean, nothing's impossible, huh? When you look at some of the stories that we're finding out. So these people want to kill folks because they don't believe in their way of life. And so here's the bigger picture. 
the fact that they wanted to start a movement, Mr. Elias. So in other words, they wanted to start bombing Democratic headquarters in California so copycat people can jump right on board and do the exact same thing, man. Your thoughts, please. Well, Jay, uh, this is, I mean, it's nothing new anymore, is it? Because didn't the militia in, in Michigan want to kidnap the governor and and and, and kid, kill her? This, this, is, this is how they, they respond to, they can't take a loss. They cannot, uh, they cannot, for the life of them, understand how Donald Trump lost. Well, he's lost. So what are they going to do? This is how we're going to get back at you. We're going to go after you. We're going to go, and we're going to uh, we're going to firebomb. And we're going to blow up the DNC in Sacramento because we're unhappy because we don't because we don't we can't stand losing. That's, this is this is this is problematic and systematic of where the Republican Party is. This is how this is how they 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 so called winning because. They're gonna they're gonna gerrymander districts. They're gonna they're gonna suppress the votes, and they're gonna they're gonna look at you dead in your face and say, "I don't know what they're talking about. We wouldn't do anything like that," because this is who they are, man. There's nothing new about this, they're, and 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 they call us violent. <laughs> White folks have been violent like this for years, man. They have been. If they don't if they don't get their way, what are they gonna do? They're gonna firebomb. They're gonna blow up. What they what they do to Black Wall Street? If you don't get your way, they're gonna they're gonna harm you. They're gonna hurt you. This is what they this is how they live, and there's nothing new. This is how they live their whole entire life. This is how they're gonna keep keep living. If I don't get what I want, there's gonna be there's gonna be mayhem. We're gonna destroy stuff. Well, guess what? You got folks out there that if you come if you come after me, I'm a, I, I'm 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 sure gonna get you off of me. And that's that's what they're not that's not what they're not ready for right now. Let me let me follow up with you. Do you actually think, Mr. Elias, that there, there's a possibility that there could be a race war in this country? I, yes, I do believe it's going to be one, Jay. To be honest, yes. Mm-hmm. So you think there's yep. going to be one? You don't think there's a possibility? You're saying that you think that there's going to be one? Yep, sure do. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah. Uh, all right, Vanessa. Uh, let me uh, ask you the uh, same question. Um, when you look at some of the stories that we're covering about folks not happy with the election results, folks who are uh, disgruntled that Donald Trump is no longer president, um, give me your thoughts on that particular. Uh, give me your thoughts on that topic, and then um, the same question for you: Do you think that we're heading towards a race war? Because some of this stuff is just when you look at it, it's like, my God, what's going on? What's really going on, right? It, I think it was last that posted this. I don't know. I think it's going to be an undercover race war. And the reason I say undercover race war is because somebody posted something about, I think it was you, Liz, how how do you, if you think that these people are racist to your face, 
can you possibly imagine what they're going to do to people in the employment world? How, I mean, they're going to take that racism to work with them. And it's a possibility a lot of people are going to get hired because of it. Then you have to stop and think about the doctors and stuff that are racist. Are they really going to save me if something happens to me on the operating table right about now? What about, you know, I, I think it's just bad to think about it. I, I think it's going to be an undercover race war. I don't think it's going to be an outright race war the way that sounds. Like out in the open, I'm going to shoot a black person because they're black. I, I, I don't think it's going to be the wild, wild west like that. I just think it's going to be an undercover race war where they're going to get you another way, but they're going to still going to get you because you're black or because you're Hispanic or because you're whatever. Depends on how racist they are. Some people don't believe in other people that are not pure white. So I don't know. I think it's something to think about, but no, I don't think it's going to be a wild, wild west race war. I just think it's going to be a race war undercover. Well, let me ask you this because. Well, let me ask you a question uh-huh. before he answers that. Let me ask. Hold up, Miss Elliot. She asked you a question about something that she said in her comments. But let me ask her. Let me ask you a question of Vanessa. Is it fair to say that it's when we hear about when we cover stories about folks, you know, trying to create or wreak havoc uh, for the Democratic Party? Is it safe to say? Is it? I mean, are we correct in saying that this is racial? Because, you know, the president is a white guy. They don't like Biden, right? I mean, they don't like Pelosi. They don't like Schumer. Those are white folks. So, I mean, is it really safe to say that this is racial, or is it just a situation where you have these people that that do not like democratic policies? Uh, this is all about, you know, not about your race, but the political party that you're associated with. Is that safer to say, Vanessa? Or can we say this I, is I all do, about racism? I do. I do think it's safe to say that because I safe to say what? Uh, Bobby first to say that some of it is just because you are a Democrat, not necessarily, okay. not necessarily because of the color of your skin. And I say okay. that because Bobby's first cousin's wife is white, and we love her, but her mother is a show enough Democrat, Republican, they look like KKK people. We were sitting there talking to this lady for hours, and I never brought up anything about politics because I knew where she stood on it because I've been to her Facebook page. So when she sent me a friend request the other day, I deleted it because she might not necessarily like what's going to be on my page. So I didn't want to be a friend on my page. I think that some people just don't like the fact that you're Democrat. I don't think it has anything to do with you're black because I didn't get the indication that she didn't like me because I wasn't black. I just know that she don't like Democrats. So I think some of it is just they're white people. They don't mind or they do like black people. They're just Republicans. Does that make sense what I just said? 
No, yeah, I think so. I think so to a certain degree. That was the question I asked. I mean, is it because of the fact that you're a Democrat, not necessarily because you're a black Democrat, because they don't like white yeah. Democrats? I mean, it's just, you know, right. I mean, you know, we it's talked like to Mr. Elias brought up. We talking about Governor weeks ago and was asking us the question at Bingo and was talking about Abbott and, and, and Biden and, and policies. And they, 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 they lied these questions. If you undercover, I'm telling you, y'all, I have an interesting life. That's all I can tell you. These no, people find okay. stuff you undercover so yeah. that they really think that you don't understand where they're coming from, but they don't know I got friends named Jay and Les who then schooled me that I don't believe nothing is coming out your mouth. I'm just going to sit there and listen to you until you talk yourself into a corner, and that's what they do, and then I walk off. <laughs> Interesting. You have more friends than that. One of your friends uh, is happens to be here this morning, another friend that you did mention. Let's bring in the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Freeman. Good morning, Jerome. How are you? Hey, I'm good, man. Oh, yeah. How you doing? Oh, hey. <laughs> hey. Hey, Vanessa. How are you? <laughs> doing all right, man. Listen, What's we have three minutes left in the segment. Hey, and I want you to have all three minutes, brother. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about this. Uh, let me just get straight to the point with the question that I asked Miss Elias and Vanessa. And do you think, based on recent activities, that this nation is heading towards a race war? Huh? It, okay. So I feel like this is a trick question. This country is always been in a race. <laughs> Like that is not. We just haven't been fighting. Like black folks don't look at white folks like that, but they've always had aggression towards us. I think there's Mm. always been this like passive aggressive race war against us more than we actually care, right? And so it's never going to escalate unless you know until it does. I think like it. it It's kind of coasting. So just think about history, which tells us if we look at, you know, Tulsa and Opelousas and, you know, Rosewood and all of these black communities. I cannot remember the person's name who, who um, what is her name? I think she has a show on HBO where she went through all of these black towns that were buried under water, like under reservoirs, like the the before the Seneca Village in New York, which Central Park sits, there was a black community that sits under the reservoir, that um, uh, um, under a lake that's in New York in Central Park. Because when the black people moved from that town and went to Seneca Village, they actually took that one and built Central Park. There are history, like history tells us that white folks have always had aggression against black people. So the reason that white folks always complain that there's going to be a race war is because they're scared that payback is coming all the time. And so when we look at just the number of guns that white folks have been massing over the years and um, and just kind of put that in the context, why would you think that white folks would buy so many guns? It's because they're constantly in fear of payback. So they've been mountain, they've been planning for us to somehow – you know, and black people don't even think about that. But, again, you know, according to the Washington Post, they were saying that 3% of the country owns over 340 million guns. So 9 million people owns 170 million guns. So that's 
10 guns per person. So if you don't have a gun in your house. 200,000 of them are at Les House. <laughs> See, don't throw don't, don't less under the bus. <laughs> He's holding mine because I don't have them. So just, just let, let him stockpile for the rest of us. But if we look at 10 guns per, per person, I am guaranteeing you that over 90% of those guns are white folks. Now, what kind of sense does that make? They've always had aggression. They're not looking to fight other white folks. Their fear is the other. So that that aggression that they feel is always towards us. They need to deal with that. So, you know, it comes with, with fear and all of this fear and anger and all this other stuff. That's why people still follow Donald Trump. As much of a criminal as he is, they have fear in them, and they're falling back on how white supremacy works. So everybody, you know, when people listen to this show in particular, they they have this anxiety that black people are going to bring up black and white stuff. It ain't us. They just hate us talking about it. But they're holding all of those um, those weapons because they have anxiety. So, no, I don't think that there's going to be a race war. I think that every now and then white folks show their butt and mount up posses um, out of fear. You might look at a white woman. Somebody did, you know what I mean? They make something up and go chase black people down. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to step out and take a break. It's the serious side. You're listening to us bring you the news and bring you the information that you can't live without. It's a beautiful Sunday, 22 minutes after the hour. We'll be right back after this. Don't you go any, any, anywhere. Set at four. Yeah, yeah. And maybe we could take a carriage ride. 
underneath the city lights. Girl, we've been doing something wrong. Let's find a way to make it all
I'm feeling like you, bro. We get no love, but that's okay. Uh, the man who gets all the love and gets the first and last word, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, sir. How are you? <laughs> good morning, good morning, good morning to you, my friend. And one, good morning, National Punk. Good morning, man. The music, one. Good morning, Momo B. One. Good morning, Miss Sister, one. Good morning, Kathleen and Mar- Mariana Music. Uh, the first song was on that was by Kim, and it's called, of course, Nobody. And the last song was Stir It Up by Eric Benet. Stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. Thank you, Mr. Elias. Is there people that we can say hello to in the chat room, if you don't mind? Yes, yes. Yard Jockey in there and, and Covina is in there. And Vanessa, uh, Yard Jockey sent you a message. He said, I'm black. I said, I'm a black landscaper. How much are you paying, Vanessa? <laughs> uh, my husband... No, no. My daughter has a black landscaper, and it took her a long time to find one. But my husband won't let anybody touch his yard. And it is immaculate, beautiful, and thick and green even in December. Yeah, what about those 15,000 houses that y'all own? Get them over there to do some of that. How about that? Uh-huh. All righty. How about Thank people you very much. for their own yard? Ooh. <laughs> All righty. I hear you, landlord. All righty, then. That is true. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you, Vanessa. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. The boy clapping. All right. Well, that's the name Yard Jockey. I like it. Now we see the comparison. It's always nice to be able to put, uh, to find out their true origin or the reason why people name themselves what they name themselves. That's good. Appreciate you being in the house. The pastor's in the house. Thank you so much for listening, Pastor. Uh, I haven't seen Mariana Music this morning, but that's not to say she's not tuned in. Uh, I want to say what's up to Jesse. Uh, let's see else. who else is in here. Uh, Keisha. That's a cool name. Carlton, uh, Carl, uh, just to name a few. There's a person here named Martha. So we have quite a few people uh, listening to us. We appreciate you as always. Uh, once again, our number is three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Just, I mean, just so much to get into. So we're going to keep the party moving because we have a lot to get into, and I want to transfer some of this time to a topic that's going to be very near, very near and dear to my heart coming up. So here we go. In the days after the November election, the nation's top military officer feared Donald Trump would try to stage a coup to stay in power. In their new book, I Alone Can Fix It, Washington Post reporters Phil Rucker and Carol Lennig write that Joint Chiefs Chairman Mark Milley was so concerned, he called Trump's former National Security Advisor, H.R. McMaster, and asked, what the F am I dealing with? According to the book, as Milley watched Donald Trump speak on January 6th, he saw echoes of Adolf Hitler. We fight like hell, and if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. Milley, the author's right, told AIDS, this is a Reichstag moment, the gospel of the Fuhrer. That was a reference to the burning down of the German parliament building in 1933 that helped Hitler and the Nazis seize power. General Milley also saw parallels between the Nazis and Trump and his supporters in the immediate aftermath of the election, when Trump refused to acknowledge he lost. Frankly, we did win this election. After a November 10th briefing on a planned pro-Trump protest in Washington, the authors write, Milley said he feared an equivalent of brown shirts in the streets. And after the Capitol riot, he vowed to protect Joe Biden's inauguration, saying, quote, we're going to put a ring of steel around this city and the Nazis aren't getting in. Wow, 
chilling moment uh, revealed in the new book, I Alone Can Fix It, Donald J. Trump catastrophic final year. General Mark A. Uh, Malley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, feared a coup was in the making. More specifically, he worried that the U.S. military would be forced to choose sides in an insurrection, something not seen since the Civil War. The general went on, went so far as to compare the situation to the rise of Hitler in the 1930s, calling Trump supporters brown shirts in the streets. This is a topic that I really wanted to get Johnny D's opinion on, and he's off this morning, but my God. You know, listen, I'm the only one here on the panel who served in the military, and let me tell you something. To even hear this being discussed as a possibility by military leadership is freaking stunning to me. The military is made up of regulations, uh, procedures. It's a very, very, very precise uh, organization that works with provision and precision. The, the, the commander-in-chief is the boss. He or she is the person that commands the military. And for military leaders to be discussing ways to disobey a lawful order. Now, people can say, wait a minute. They can't do that. Yes, they can. They have the right to disobey an order when they think the order is unlawful or it's unsafe. And so let's start right there. Let me me start with you, Jerome. I know you're not surprised by this revelation. And there are so many books about Donald Trump out there, about some of the chaos that's going on. But when you read and hear some of the excerpts from this particular book, People that were in his own circle were concerned about Donald Trump doing the right thing. So what say you when you hear this? And I'm amazed by it, to be honest with you. I mean, I've heard a lot of things in the past five years almost. But this one uh, ranks right there in my top three of things being just amazed to know that these were conversations that were actually going on. He was having informal conversations with the heads of the other military branches to prepare for a possible coup. Coup in the United States of America. What say you, uh, Jerome? Wow. You know, um, it is like watching uh, uh, an episode of, I don't want to date myself, but an episode of something like Murder, She Wrote, right? Like, you were speaking this you thing out did. about that. <laughs> <laughs> For the end of the show, you looking at these like, how come y'all didn't know? You know what I mean? I don't, I don't give a rat. If I can curse, I really, really would curse out on this part of the segment. But I can tell you this, that for us to believe that all of them were horrified when they were standing up in front of everybody lying, and they're still lying. They're a bunch of cowards. And, you know, I cannot – white folks in particular, just generally when it comes to to, um, to business or in government, they like to revise history when it's convenient to make themselves look good, right? Hmm. So when Donald okay. Rumsfeld passed, they did talk a little bit about the war, but they didn't talk about his – there are known knowns and known unknowns. They, they, all of them fools lie. 
Reagan right. like, like crazy got an airport named after him. I don't give yep. a rat about none of them, and we should not care to say that they grew a conscience because they all have not. The folks on the Supreme Court haven't. The way they cheated mm-hmm. to put three people on the Supreme Court, the Trump did, and nobody says a word, and now they're all like, oh, we were horrified. But why aren't you horrified about the people who he selected to um, represent this country all over the place? So Mike Pompeo, all of those guys are not mm. heroes. They all need to go to jail with Trump because if I drove the getaway car or I fed them a donut after they robbed the bank, I am still going yep. to jail. Yep. So Look out. They were to look out. They should go. Yeah. Yeah, they all want to act like, oh, yeah, I was just as horrified as you are. We can't look. Uh, if Trump got elected again, all of them fools will be lined up trying to oppress everybody. Mm. They will be lined up. So their amoral asses don't need to. And, and I, some, I feel some kind of way about media's portrayal of them because this is our problem as black folks when we're looking at this. And, you know, yeah. again, some white folks have, you know, I'm not saying that they can't have conscience or, or see this, but they're right. going along their day acting like these dudes are normal and that all of this stuff is okay. The media shouldn't be treating them like, oh, guess what we found out in a great book that was written. Well, your ass knew that when it was going on. Mm. And that part of discernment that we have, they don't. Yeah. It's like that woman, Susan Smith, who killed her kids, and all yep. black people were like, she killed them. And he said, uh, oh, I got carjacked by some black kid who, who took my kids. White folks was up in arms, and black folks went on with their day. Everybody knows she killed that damn kid. But you can they have a sense of turning stuff off that they don't want to hear and smoothing stuff over like it ain't a problem. So, you know, we need to change how we look at this stuff. But forget them and their books and all that other stuff. Send them all straight to jail. Because clean up, even the reporters that are writing this book, they're saying, you know, Mike Pompeo was reasonable and he was concerned. Y'all know what Mike Pompeo was doing. He was talking about, you know, on an international stage, said that after an election, when Trump lost, that he'll still be reinstated as president. He said that on yeah. an international stage. Well, I didn't know that. Well, it's, yeah, you're right. It, it's, uh, you're right. And you know what? Let's not even give it any more, any more thought because we have a more important man to talk about. So we're going to just glide on past this. We'll talk about, talk about take a quick break because I want to spend some time to talk about a real true American, uh, someone who really uh, has made an impact on this country. We'll stop out, take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. A former Olympic champion has become the first member of the International Olympic Committee to test positive for the coronavirus at the Tokyo Summer Olympics. The Games begin this Friday. The Olympic Village Housing Athletes also has reported its first positive cases. NPR's Tom Goldman is in Tokyo. According to the International Olympic Committee, former table tennis gold medalist and current IOC member Ryu Sung Min is in isolation after testing positive. He says he was fully vaccinated and 
tested negative twice before leaving South Korea for Tokyo. Also, two current athletes have tested positive in the Olympic Village, where an estimated 11,000 competitors will stay during the Games. Seiko Hashimoto, the Tokyo Organizing Committee president, says officials are doing everything they can to make sure the village is COVID-secure and safe from an outbreak. The Games open Friday with Tokyo and nearby prefectures under a state of emergency, with cases climbing to the highest levels in six months. Tom Goldman, NPR News, Tokyo. Last night's baseball game between the Washington Nationals and the San Diego Padres is to be completed today. It was suspended last night after a shooting outside Nationals Park that sent fans ducking for cover. Zach Persink was there. There was just pandemonium and clearly something bad had happened, but no one really knew where it was and misinformation was clearly just spreading quickly because no one knew what happened. Washington, D.C. police say the shots came from an exchange of gunfire between people in two cars. Three people were injured. The rest of the game is to be played this afternoon, followed by the regularly scheduled game. I'm Giles Snyder, NPR News. Online radio at its best. On his last day, on his last day, in Washington, just before he left, Michael, you were with him, just before he left to return to Atlanta, just about a few days ago, a couple weeks ago last year, his last day, John Lewis went to Black Lives Matter Plaza to see the movement go into the future. It was such a beautiful, beautiful smile on his face to see his work going into the future with Black Lives Matter, and they will have a visual in his honor tonight in Washington. Welcome back in. 347-850-1272. That was Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi getting a little emotional uh, as she was speaking at the christening of the Navy's first in-class replenishment order named the USNS John Lewis TAO 205 uh, last week marked the year one year anniversary of his death and Mr. LES as we uh, you know as we continue to to miss his presence uh, let's just talk about what type of man he was and just um, you know and and where do we see the John Lewis uh, Voting Act heading uh, what's the future of that give me your thoughts on this one Mr. LES well, Jay, I, my, my prayer is that they passed the John Lewis Voting Act, you know, and having having met John Lewis, man, at a uh, at one of our, our conventions, man, it was really a great honor, man. Yes, man. Yes. Wow, didn't wow. know that. Did you get a yeah. picture? Yeah. He, no, I did not, man. I was oh, wow. younger. I was young at the time and didn't know how significant it was, you know, and okay. he's, he's, he's my frat brother. So, you know, wow. I met him at the convention and, man, just... Just to hear the brother speak uh, of what he went through on the Pettus Bridge, and you know, he said he, he just uh, he was frightened beyond belief, but he said he knew what was right and knew what he had to stand up for, man. And how many of us, like we said earlier, would have done that? This, this you know, John Lewis is unbelievable, man. And he was and he was a young brother at the time, man, when this happened. So, yeah. Know. Yeah, very young. Just, just unbelievable. Focused and disciplined on what needed to happen. And, you know, you applaud his um, courage, uh, Vanessa, because 
you know, we look at youth today, and yeah, a lot of youth are out there really trying to beat the streets and doing the right thing with BLM and things of that nature. But, you know, at least in this day and age, even though we know that there's a possibility of violence, um, it was damn near guaranteed back then. When you protested and confronted white folks, it was damn near guaranteed. We, you know, It was damn near guaranteed that you were gonna, something was going to happen. So it takes a special type of individual to say, look, we're going to walk over here in the midst of the battle. We know that more than likely – you know, we're going to be killed. I think I read some things about he was making sure that he had all his final uh, mm-hmm. his final uh, 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 business in order uh, because there's a possibility, they will, you know, they, they wasn't coming back. So to have that type of courage, he was just a special man. Give me your thoughts on John Lewis. Was that for me? That was for Vanessa, but you know she. I'm here, but, but I didn't. I didn't know it was for me. I'm sorry. Can you repeat it? No problem. Please? No, I was just saying. Give me your thoughts on John Lewis. You know, while you were talking, I was just saying to hubby over here that I would like to go and do some trips and visit some of the the black museums, the the bridge that they walked across. Um, yeah. In yeah, Alabama. You know, as close as I have got is I saw Rosa Parks coming out of the airplane to go to the Rotunda as a flight attendant in Baltimore. That's as close as I have gotten to the history. History. And that, the, the history. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, that part of the history, I do have a picture of it, and it is framed, and I was with the all-black crew. I took pictures with them, but John Lewis is just, he's just taller than life. He's like, to me, up there, like, down from Martin Luther King. He is just uh, a very powerful voice that has been left. And I would love to go and see some history on him, uh, on the Alabama walk and what they went through. I I just, that's just something I would really, really like to do. I would like to do that, leave there, and go to Washington to that black monument. The black to museum. the King MLK or the black the black the African American uh, museum. That's a Both that's a phenomenal place. Well, I'll be King because Both he's so big. It's a statue. Yeah. But yeah, I would like to go to that black museum and see some yeah. of that stuff. That I, I just you know what I gotta bring you to Yeah. It's yeah. And Mr. Elliott said it'd bring you to tears. It, it's really a. Uh, it's really a humbling moment, uh, and they have an area set up where you can go in and leave messages. And uh, my daughter and I, we went in and left a video message uh, about what the museum meant to us. And, and um, yeah, and, and there are some of the displays, um, you know, especially the one dealing with Emmett Till. You know, they you go into this area, and there's a casket in there. Um, and, you know, and there's a photo of Emmett Till in the casket, you know, with his you know, being exposed, what America saw on that jet cover so many years ago. And, uh, yeah, it's very humbling. Now, the part where you go and eat, man, they have some food in there that will knock your socks off. And and there's areas in there, like there's the Oprah Winfrey Theater. I didn't go in there, but we didn't have a lot of time. But, yeah, it's something that I I recommend that if you're an African-American, you definitely need to go and check it out. Let let me me get your thoughts on this, uh, Jerome, uh, because, once again, John Lewis was just a historical figure 
and uh, I wanted to spend some time talking about him. The fact that it's been a year since he since he left it's almost unbelievable. Him, Elijah Cummings. I used to always get those two mixed up, and they used to joke about it because people would get them mixed up as well. Uh, but but give me your thoughts on John Lewis. Yeah, and you know I actually used to get them mixed up too, like just off the rip. I did nothing. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, and I don't I don't know why. But it was like if they weren't in the same place, I'd be like, it was one of them. Like, I'd be like, John Lewis. <laughs> but you know that the um, the thing about um, John Lewis is, you know, I know um, when we look back at, at the civil rights movement and um, any figure from around that time, we always have like really sketchy perspectives of them. And I think that all of those guys, like whether it was Kwame Ture or, or um, you know, MLK and, or Malcolm, anybody who put work in and pushing up against the system, I, everybody was on the same side, and, but everybody had a different technique for how they saw um, the moment. And John Lewis, you know, came out of the MLK school of, um, of trying to appeal to the better angels of um, the people who were oppressing. And um, so much respect for him in that path and, um, and all the things that he's done in Congress because he, he is one of those people who, you know, you always need a two-pronged approach when it really comes down to, um, you know, crime fighting. And right. I always call civil rights civil rights movement, anybody who fights for for black folks, crime fighters, because crime fighting mm. normally does not pay, you know? Right. And so, you know, I have much respect for him, and, um, you know, on this day. So, or, you know, know that it's a year since he's been gone, but, uh, you know, they're keeping up keeping up the work. But I don't, uh, you know, what I think I don't subscribe to is for John Lewis, you know, Nancy Pelosi holding it as a crutch over us. I think that he, they need to have, the, you know, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act because that's what he fought for and that's what he died right. for. But don't use the technique of John Lewis like MLK to say how we need to fight right now, right? We cannot do okay. that. So, you know, we need to be a little bit more progressive and aggressive on how we need to fight for John Lewis and don't fight for John Lewis like John Lewis fought for voting rights. Do you know what I mean? This is not a sit-in. Don't don't appeal to somebody's better angels. We need oh, to do okay. what we need to do to fight for him. Fight harder. Okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. Okay, makes sense now. That's good, man. I like the way you crystallize that. That's good. That's an important message for people to walk away with. Thank you so much for uh, sharing that information. All right. Folks, you know what time it is. It is time for State Your Case, Pastor Steve's State Your Case, where we read comments from the world-famous chat room and from social media. Mr. Elias, may you have anything you want to add? Yes, I got Covina man in that when He said Trump was the most anti-immigration president in a long time. He got more Hispanic votes in 2016. And he says, I don't know if they earn future support for, uh, for DACA, further support for DACA, brother. Huh, interesting. All right, uh, let me read uh, Pastor Steve says, Peace and Blessings, family, interesting topics today, especially the race war segment. Uh, I hope that we as a nation is not at the point, it's not at that point, I'm sorry, but the climate is ripe for it. 
Let's pray for God's peace to continue to guide us through these difficult moments. Thank you, Pastor. Martha from Seattle, Washington, good morning. I really appreciate your show. I don't get to listen as much as I would like to, but when I do get the opportunity to listen, I always walk away learning something new. Thank you, Martha. And because we are up against it, I can't read the rest of it, but trust me, I read them, and I appreciate all your thoughts. With that being said, online radio at its best. It is time for our final thoughts, and uh, Vanessa, what are your final thoughts on this beautiful Sunday morning? Uh, we all have an opinion. We all have a thought. We all right. have our opinions about what happened in this country. But we all, the bottom line is, we all love this country. Sometimes we're not, we don't necessarily want to hear what somebody else's thoughts, but Get out and vote. If you don't get out and vote, you don't have a voice. 
And my final thoughts will go to my youngest daughter basketball team, Principals First. They uh, Their season came to an end yesterday with a loss in the national uh, tournament. Uh, they really fought hard. They were a bunch of uh, young ladies who didn't have all the physical skill sets that some of their opponents had, but God dang it, they really hustled and they worked hard. So don't hold your head down, ladies. You really, really, really played a phenomenal season. And I'm telling you, you got a lot out of the talent that you possessed on the on the roster. And to my big, big baby girl, you know, you did your thing. I just need you to work on that footstep just a little bit more, a little bit on those footsteps. But my goodness, you have a bright future, and I am so proud of how you commanded the center of the floor. Get that mess out of here. Don't bring it to the party. And last but certainly not least, I want to make a comment about Stephen A. Smith. ESPN has has prided themselves on having uh, Stephen A. Smith to be the voice in the face of the network. And sometimes he says stuff that really gets on my nerves because he thinks he knows everything. And he thinks that it's so cool for him to run his mouth and yell and scream because people tune into that type of stuff. Well, he apologized for the comments he made about that Asian player. And sometimes, Stephen A., man, you just need to shut the hell up because you don't know everything. And you think you do. And people treat you as if you're some type of sports messiah. Man, stay in your lane. You know, you're just a brother. For you to attack the other brothers the way you do sometimes, you need to be shaming yourself. It's just ridiculous. And on that note, Mr. LES, and listen, don't walk away, guys, thinking I don't like Stephen A. Smith. I do, but he just sometimes he, he just thinks he's bigger than life and he needs to come off that horse. On that note, Mr. LES, if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, what time is it, my friend? It's time for the serious side of the J. Rob Show. Folks, it's been a pleasure to serve you, and thank you so much for allowing us to come in your living rooms each and every Sunday. So, for Vanessa, for my main man, Mr. Jerome Spring, for Mr. Elias, I'm J. Rob saying have a wonderful work week. And remember, if it is Sunday, and we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side of the J. Rob Show. Coming up next, something that we haven't done in a minute, on a need-to-know basis with... Mr. Jerome Spring. Keep it right here. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. 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 The first lady dazzles on election night in a. Tell me what you want me to do. Man, I've been waiting for a long time to say this, and so you folks can stop it with all these messages because the man is up in here. It is time for on a need to know basis with my main man, Mr. Jerome Spree. Man, welcome back, Jerome, and man, what's happening with you? Well, thank you, and you are going to regret starting this show um, uh, two minutes early. I just want to tell you that for the record. Oh, because, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Anybody who needs to listen to this at the archives, this is pretty much the first time I'm going to yell at everybody on the show for a show that I missed, and I was listening to Bill Cosby, and I'm disappointed in all of y'all. So I'm going to start the show off with that. Everybody else, Ooh. like, just know, go to the archives if you're getting cut off in real time. But uh, uh, I'm going to start off with but you're about to get a commentary of about five, ten minutes on Cosby. Ooh. About Ooh. ten minutes. Well, <laughs> hey, well, guess what? 
guess what? Well, we're not, hey, look, we're officially in overtime. <laughs> we we just that, made it. Okay, I, Jerome. <laughs> I, I said you gonna regret get the extra two minutes. That's all I said. <laughs> oh, man, I, uh, how are you doing, man? My bad for for all of those folks. I was I, I told LES I was actually on the board on the day that I the the Cosby um, verdict happened for that show. Oh really? Oh wow, we didn't see there. you, man. I was listening. Oh, wow. I oh, okay. Video. Wow, we didn't see you. Wow, I didn't see you. One side, or maybe I didn't show up on the board, but I was there. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah, we yeah, we were like, everybody, where's Jerome? Where's Jerome? I'm like, calm down. Matter of fact, I was going to call you after the show. I'm like, hey, you all right, bro? I mean, forget the show. Are you all right as a, as a person? You know, I don't care about all that. I just want to make sure my brother's no, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to hear your voice. Good. Yep, that was my badge. Should have, should have text. I would have responded really quickly to you. But nope, yeah, I was, I'm yeah. good. I'm okay, good. I'm we're good. 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 All right. You know. All right, let us have it, Jerome. We're, we're ready. <laughs> Jay, like, Jay, here's the thing, Elias. <laughs> Jay didn't even ask for his unconfirmed black history because he knows this is going to be a bad show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, look, that's, that's why, it, man. I, hey, hey, you got to give me the unconfirmed black history first, brother. Go on now. Okay. Wait. It's not it's not such a bad rant, but it's kind of in the vein of, you know, how we see media and, and how we're projecting this. Okay, so, Here it comes. All right, before you go, here's unconfirmed black history since I've missed them. Um, and I'm getting yelled at all over the place about them, too. So just wanted to tell you that. All right. So in the late 70s, um, Hannah Clyde Anderson owned this automotive shop in the <laughs> He, he owned this. Yeah, it's Clyde. I didn't make names in the seventies. You know, there was Clyde. There's a bunch of Clydes now. Actually, I know a Clyde that was born in the seventies. So I ain't gonna even go there. Right. Me too. He used to be on this show. He used to be on this network. Elias Jay's Pace in the big hat and all of that. It ain't Clyde Frazier that we're talking about. They Clyde. He owned an automotive shop in the Watts section of Los Angeles, right? They specialized in body damage. They did tune-ups, brakes, transmission rebuilds, you know, tire rotations, the normal stuff, right? Yeah. So he's an easygoing guy who was working on a car, and some fool decided to rob the shop while he was there. So what the robber didn't know is that Clyde is a former Golden Gloves boxing champ, right? Uh So after a couple of jabs in the uppercut, there would be Robert late on the floor. And when the police showed up, they asked one of the employees. They called him Juggy. I don't know what his name was, but he was one of the employees. He is known for very few words. They asked what happened. He replied and made history by saying Clyde was working on a car, took the tires off, and beat the brakes off him. That's it. Her <laughs> <laughs> beat the brakes off of somebody.
you know, take a day off and come back without unconfirmed black history. So that's what had happened. That's what okay. had happened on unconfirmed black history. <laughs> what had happened is, because you told us about yeah. that one too. Well, what had, what had happened was, yeah, we got that one too. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I, I will, you know, see what research can come up with for uh for next week's unconfirmed black history but you know they won't make you know what the fourth of july stuff happens and sometimes yeah. finding out stuff that happened in the 60s and 70s is kind of tough on that note i'm going to let you brothers have it i'm going to be listening to this uh Five minutes of funk that's coming up. So uh, y'all got it. <laughs> Wait a minute, before you go. Yes, you know sir. What? Here, here's what I'm gonna also do. Elias does not know I'm gonna do this, but um, you know I thought about um, something else that we're gonna do during this segment. And uh, yes. matter of fact, nope, I, I won't. I'll surprise you guys next week, but I'm gonna have to let Elias oh. know. But we, we're gonna have to play a little game before we start this Uh-oh. segment. We'll do, we'll do that as well. Oh, I, I, I was, uh, <laughs> and since I have a rant going, I guess I, I shouldn't. Uh, I shouldn't. I shouldn't give something to just take it away in the next five minutes. So I'm yeah, just, yeah, I'm, you I, shouldn't do that. I agree, Jerome. Yes. Okay, fine. Fine. All right. <laughs> we'll see you next. I'll see you next time. All right. All right. So, all right. So let me start by saying this. All right. So for all. Um, everyone who's heard the show when Cosby was released, you know, one of the things, because I, I, I did get um, some questions and some calls during that time, because when Cosby is released, I specifically watched the media and watched the news on what they were going to leave black folks with, because just like in OJ's case, it had to be an impression that they left you with so that you always had a specific taste in your mouth when you hear the name Bill Cosby. We've talked about this on the show. We've talked about it years ago um, about, you know, Cosby trying to buy NBC. And if you want to go look this up, go look it up. But in 2011, Bill Cosby had an agreement with the FTC, right, that Federal Trade Commission, they filed paperwork to buy NBC again. So that stuff is documented. And what happened was they were trying to back out of the deal when the third time of all of these women coming up to, you know, to get Cosby out of there. So when I listen to the show, everybody pretty much in a kind of a consensus way have this feeling of Bill Cosby, which I think is absolutely incorrect. So while I was watching it, I called um, Kathleen Williams, and I asked Kathleen, what are, you, what are you seeing, you know, because I was watching it for sports. And she said, what I'm seeing is that the headline should have read, now she's an attorney, so we both went through what this ruling was from the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania. And what the headline should have been was, Cosby got set up, is what that headline should have read. But what media does, because they want you still to hate that man, is they said that he got off on the technicality. Cosby did not, I repeat, did not get off on a technicality. The Supreme Court ruling was that he should never have even been charged. 
And so if you want to see someone really rant about this, which I'm not going to, I'm not a fan of Kazi, never was. Now, well, not since a piece of the action in uh, <laughs> Town Saturday Night kind of movies. But what, if you want to read somebody ranting about this, YouTube Judge Joe Brown. He's going to get really nasty about oh, this. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I that? saw that interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Who, was he, who was he interviewed? Who was he being interviewed by? Uh, um, I can't um, remember the, the guy. It was, it was another. Mont Hill? Yeah, I believe so. Right. And so yeah, he was showing. Yeah, he, he went off. He yeah, was like, he was look, showing he should have never been in the first place. Yeah, he was showing too much emotion talking about in the Me Too movement and everybody knows Cosby do it. It's like, stop getting your panties in a bunch. That's not what happened. And Judge Joe Brown, who said he recognized some of those women from some of those parties that he was at back in the days. They knew he was getting set up. So the thing that I tried to do, even when I do news, is to give you the difference between opinion news and facts and we don't take enough time to actually I mean and I know people are busy and they don't really get to hear people talk like this you know quite often or who are free enough to talk like this but in Cosby's case I am going to give you the basics of what happened right they should never have brought charges on him right so in the civil case before he took the deposition the DA, the Pennsylvania DA, wrote the civil court judge in an affidavit mm -hmm. saying the woman lied and she was unreliable. They couldn't prove anything. And that um, he didn't say this, but in the original case, that woman and her mother was just trying to extort money from Cosby. She said she was sleeping with him anyway, but she felt kind of groggy. Now, everybody and their mother keeps saying this whole, this one thing from his affidavit or from his um, deposition is that Cosby said that the, the question was, did you um, have pills to sleep with women? And he said, yes. So everybody and their mother, for some reason, thinks that that is a confession of him giving somebody pills. Here's the trick. If you're a guy, have you ever bought a woman a drink to get her phone number? Do you have a nice car just to get women? <laughs> Guys do things to attract women. That don't mean that he gave it to her to drug her. I, you know, if you are a little boy, you you all know elementary school age, if you have gum, some little pretty girl will be like, can I have a stick of gum? And so that means if you buy gum, did you buy her gum to sleep with her? Hmm. No, you may have bought gum to talk to her. So... We act like this is foreign. There was nowhere in that deposition that he ever said that he gave anybody anything ever. So I'm not talking about any other women. I'm, I'm talking about this case. So if you want to send your comments directly to your comments in your own trash can, send them there. But I'm not talking about anybody else or any other case. I'm talking about the case that he was convicted, or I'm sorry, the case that should not have even appeared. They wrote that he should never have been charged. So he didn't get let off on a right. He didn't get convicted by a jury of his peers. 
they played that intramural basketball game that you want a record for scoring 35 points in. There were no refs there. There was no facts in that. They allowed them to lie and bring in people who said, oh, it went past the statute of limitations so I can lie? It was a, that thing was a joke. So to, to devalue the Cosby show that he was using as, um, as um, some kind of, um, what do you call it? He needed the value of the Cosby show to say hi just because in that leverage buyout or to buy NBC, which they had an agreement on, they devalued Cosby, devalued anything that Cosby was on, and broke that deal up. And again, go watch Joe Brown. But anytime people say that, this is disturbing to me. Disturbing to me, just like in the OJ case, that people feel like, you know, we let society demonize black folks and we hold it to our graves. When this Charlie Sheen or what, what is his name, um, the, the director, ah, I forgot his name, uh, who married his... Well, when you look at Harvey uh, Weinstein, it, you know that is a whole that's a whole nother oh, story. Oh, you talking about Woody uh, Woody Her- Allen? Uh, Woody Allen, yeah. Woody Allen. So when you look at that, it is it is shameful that people can't hold their energy towards this. But this black man, again, it goes to the segment of the show early on where we talked about this. That creating hate against black people is really easy. It's a part of the pathology of this country. So you, there was an actress by the name of Carol Baker. She was quoted as one of the last living Hollywood Golden Age stars. Now, she branded um, Cosby's prison sentence a sin and criticized a dozen of women who accused him uh, in an interview one day before that was thrown out. Now, Baker is 90. She's known for starring in, in, in roles like in the 50s. And she was unprompted. She said, my heart breaks for Bill Cosby. He, Bill Cosby didn't deserve that at his age and the condition that's in. He's a wonderful human being, absolutely wonderful. I cannot bear the fact that he's in prison. I don't think that it was his fault. He didn't voluntarily. I mean, he, he said they did it voluntarily, was what she said. She said, and so people started going off on her. Right? She asked, she said, I'm sure they all were entranced by them. I have a feeling that the drink was just an aphrodisiac, and he didn't force them to take it. And then he offered it to them. She said, I think it's a sin that he's in jail. And she also called Harvey Weinstein a maniac at the same time and said that he deserved jail time. But everybody's holding their anger towards Cosby. Hmm. Harvey Weinstein was brutal. Like, he was like, come in here, this is what's going to happen. So Cosby did not have to do that. Like, that's not what happened. Right? Felicia Rashad, who played his, his uh, you know, his wife, Claire Huxtable, right? All eight seasons of the Cosby show. She praised the Pennsylvania Supreme Court And then the folks at Howard University started complaining. You know, it reminds me of, you know, Dr. Frances Chris Welsing. She merely just asked a question and Howard fired her. 
not going to go into Dr. Welsing stuff, but that's a shame that we cannot bend our minds from our programming. And again, I've taken longer on this than I thought I would, but the problem is that we have to look at this world differently because obviously we we are um, we are being fed the same gar- garbage that leads us to the same outcome. It leads to the same things that oppress us. It leads to the same things that create narrow-mindedness. It creates doubt, and we need to deal with this stuff honestly. Trump has all these accusations of sexual assault, and you're still talking about he may run. He could win. The Republicans may take back. You can't hold jack squat when it comes to Mitch McConnell. You can't hold jack squat when it comes to Matt Gates and all of those guys, right? People are on trial. There are accusations of all sorts of things, but people hate Cosby. And for what? For something that got thrown out of court that should never have been in court. So I am going to ask you again to watch how you are watching the news because it is sad and it's sick. So I am done with that. I should have did a three-minute commentary, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. Don't give me that much. <laughs> Never again. Hey, that was my, right. my thought process is don't blame Blas. Blame the prosecutor because that's who did it. Yes. Uh, he's the one that, that, that set this up. That's the guy that did it. And yes. did, uh, that, that, that dude was wrong. He was wrong, and he shouldn't have. The bottom line is he he he, he made a deal, told him, say, he, I have nothing against it, but this woman wants to get paid, so tell us what happened. Yes, that's what that happened. So is to get her paid because they didn't have a criminal case against Cosby. Cosby, this was nice enough to agree to that because again, right. the letter that the DA wrote to the civil court judge was, we, she's not even a credible witness, and she lied too much, and they knew that they were extorting Cosby. So in this case, not all of these, any of the other ones that somebody may try to bring up. In this case, they didn't even have a case. But it just tells you that you can use one little word against somebody and turn it to make them look criminal. And we have and not decided. What you say? And what what got me the most is when 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 they when they was like you know when Judge Brown said, "Hey, look, this is not even a, a, a case." This should have, he should have never been in jail. And then on top of that, the Supreme Court said, we can't give him any money because he's rich. So what we're going to do is just say, hey, this case is dropping and never be brought against you again. That's how bad it was. Yeah, That's how you know bad what? it was that they, that they did that. Yes, and he's also, um, from what I understand, he's suing um, another person who, claim, who made that claim as well from when he was at, right. you know, that's something about him being at the Playboy man. Yeah, and he should, because the woman said she was 17 at the Playboy Mansion and he, Bill Cosby did A, B, and C. But if you know anything about the 70s, go watch some old 70s movies. Most people was high while they were shooting those movies. <laughs> but but mm. if the 70s in the Playboy Mansion, why were you underage and how come Hugh Hefner asked didn't get arrested? Right? Mm. So all these other people who you're sleeping with in the Playboy Mansion when you're underage... Your parents should have got arrested. Why were you in there? And why are there no scrutiny on you that you can come out and actually lie about something and just pick out the black guy? Mm. So I think, and, wow. and so they're they're preparing a lawsuit against her. And much respect for them for doing that. I think they need to pick mm. off everybody who lied because. 
people, you know, in, in those class action suits, it, you know, allegedly, if all if they lied, he needs to go sue them. But again, I'm not talking about their cases. This one in particular is the problem. So, you know, I, I think that we have to watch how we look at cases, especially when they're paper, um, people of color, right? You look at Paris Hilton having cocaine in, um, in Las Vegas, getting community service. If she was black, she would have been in jail at least seven years. She had right. cocaine in Vegas. Charlie Sheen had cocaine in Vegas, butt naked, calling people the N-word, the police officers. And Charlie Sheen, ain't do, he was still on Two and a Half Men when that happened. <laughs> and still had high ratings. Wow. And never even mm. went to jail. And, and doing commercials with his father about some kind of um, getting health health insurance or a health plan or something. Right? <laughs> that dude is still on mm. there. So we we have to watch how we watch television. Because obviously there is no media outlet that's giving a perspective that can see through all of this garbage. And again, I'm not blaming everybody for not seeing this. There, you know, you cannot work for mainstream media and not parrot the same things that they're saying. That's why um, Judge Joe Brown goes off so much because you guys, you know, those guys are not thinking. So when, what's his name? I cannot think. Lamont Hill? Something. It's Lamont something. But when he mm-hmm. was so emotional about, God, we did it and all this, that, boy, you know, they need to wrap him up and, uh, and, and and have him take a seat. Give him a pacifier and put him in the crib. Because that that's way too much, you know. So, you know, I, I, I just kind of feel like we need to do a better job of um, upsifting. So here's my quick attempt of giving you some news from a different perspective. And, and, and it's not that it's wrong. The facts are all there. It's just that I am not trying to oppress people while I'm at it, you know, and you know, I I can tell you on a, on a side note, the reason that we're like this, especially as Americans, uh, or just generally European culture is because the difference, and I think I spoke about this before, but the difference between fairy tales and folk tales allows us as little kids to believe that everything is deception. All fairy tales are about deception and mistrust. And so we grow up with that. That's why with the Trump people, if somebody wants to talk about the pathology of folks, is that the Trump folks can believe that an election was stolen because they grew up believing in fairy tales. Fairy tales are all about deception. It is. I mean, if you look at any of them, I mean, even Little Red Riding Hood, I think I said that, was is a really bad rape story. The origin story of Little Red Riding Hood is to scare little girls to stay on the path. So she was on the path to her grandmother's house. You know, it was to make sure, because in medieval times, you know, they were brutal. So that fairy tale was created to make little girls stay in well-lit, you know, not well-lit areas, but stay on the path and not stray off the path. That's what that, the origin story of Little Red Riding Hood so when you think about that and you see where people's fears are coming from, just know that they have, you know, you're brought up listening to things that has a lot to do with deception. So it's easy to go, I don't know who, who said that, but something's going on. It's fear-based. So don't, you know, work on it because I don't know the answer to the question to get you out of it. <laughs> All right. Now, 
now that we're way into the show, <laughs> the um, <laughs> the first story. Remember um, Charlie Ro- Charlie Robinson, who was on Night Court. Yeah. He was on Night Court for eight seasons. He passed away at age seventy-five, yeah. and um, he played Mac on Night Court. And right. for you younger folks who watch the again. A, a show that black people could never have. Um, he's on that show Mom with um, Allison Janney and I can't remember her name. The She played in Scary Movie. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I can't, can't remember her name. But um, he played the blind man who was in that sitcom Mom. They run marathons on it, of it. But I don't know if you've ever seen this. But No, I haven't. One, huh? I haven't seen it. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it is a funny show, but hmm. she was a ex stripper. Her mother was a hooker. It's all about them being in um, in um, Gamblers Anonymous and um, <laughs> you know, going through twelve step pro. But it's it's funny, right? And it's okay. how they normalize. No, and, and it's a sitcom, so it's how you normalize something really foul. I was having this hmm. conversation recently that during the crack ep- epidemic, black people were hard on anybody who was on drugs. But yeah. when, when methamphetamines <laughs> came around, everybody's like, it's a disease. We need to work for them. I'm like, man, that is... I'm like Dave Chappelle said, remember when we was on crack, he said, just say no. <laughs> yep. That was it. You get no three strikes and you're out. It was like, just say no. Just say no. Mm-hmm. no. Yep. So, but yeah, so Charlie Robinson was on that show, Mom. If you, it's actually pretty funny. Like they they do a good job on there. But um, you know, it, it's um, he played on there for uh, probably a couple seasons at least. So anyway, sorry to hear that because I, I actually used to like Night Court when I was little. It was uh, it was a cool show. Um, I did Harry too. Anderson. That be my show. Yeah, yeah, be my show. Night Court, him and Bull, and uh, and uh, Marsha Warfield. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, who does yeah. not love Marshall Warfield? Marshall Warfield and uh, yep, Harry Anderson was the star of the show. He was he's a comedian as well. But um, we're related to Marshall Warfield. Are you really? Yep. Yeah, they are. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love Marshall Warfield. I don't know if you've ever seen Jay. Uh, uh, what was it? The um, Richard Pryor roast. Have you ever seen that? With Paul yeah, Mooney yeah, and, yeah, with Paul Mooney, yeah. <laughs> Paul Mooney and John Witherspoon and Robin Robin Williams he was on there. And yeah. Michael Warp mm-hmm. and Tim Reed and all mm-hmm. those guys were on there. If you ever get a chance to see it, YouTube it. I shouldn't have said that because little kids probably should not watch that, but it's actually pretty funny. Yeah, I do not like Marshall Warp, though. All right, now... um. You know, Social Security payments for 69 million Americans could rise 6.1% due to um, inflation. It's the biggest cost of living hike since 1983. So they said it could rise, um, according to a new estimate. And again, for people who are complaining that they don't have enough workers, Uh, because people are...
like Jerome dropped, so I don't know if you want to try to get him. Yeah, I'm going to right now. I'm calling him now. All right. Okay, what the heck Social happened? Security or were we on New York City's weather? Mm. Hold on. You remember? Uh, hold, he, was, uh, he was Social Security. Okay. okay. Okay, so, yeah, Social Security really quickly. To put, to hold, hold on a second. Right. Hold on a second, bro. Hold on one second. I don't know what the hell just happened with my phone. Uh, hold, I'm going to call you right back, man. Okay. back in okay so i want to just paraphrase this that social security payments for 69 million americans could rise 6.1 percent due to inflation so that's the highest oh. since 1983 yeah. saying that I, I might be applying for it next year cool uh, <laughs> hey. saying that i might be applying for it next year cool <laughs> let me tell you Everybody kept complaining because they're saying, you know, people have enhanced unemployment and they won't go back to work. Wages have been so low for so long that this is the biggest raise that it ever saw, uh, that it's seen since 83. Have you heard what McDonald's is offering people now? No. <laughs> they're offering a, um, a more of a wage. They're offering uh, child care. And now they're offering also uh, days off with pay. Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. They can't find workers. That's, I mean, that was the key. You can't find people to come back to work for $7.25 an hour. Nobody's going right. to do that. Nobody. Come on. And Stop be- it. Yep. And because of the pandemic, a lot of people get to work from home now. Mm-hmm. Right? And you're not... You're not going, if you can find a job that you're working from home, you are not going to go into McDonald's. No. People keep thinking, you know, it's the Republican side that keeps saying stuff like people don't want to work. That is just stupid. You can always find kids that want to work after school, right, mm-hmm. if it's really low wages. But the problem is you're not going to find adults coming back to those workplaces to stabilize them. And yeah. their pace, that's not I don't, I don't blame them. Who wants to come back to work with $7.25 an hour? Come on, yeah. you you can't see this down. And I, I had an argument with a lady at my job, and we were talking, and she's like, "People don't want to work." I said, "No, people don't want to work for no money." I said, "Would you go? Would you go back to work and make less money, or stay off and make more money? Because you'd be able to feed your family with money that you don't. If I'm staying out of work, but if I got to go back to work and make less money and can't feed my family, who said stupid? Who would do something like that? Right, right. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, I wanted to, um, there's a story out that said, oh, well, dozens of wildfires burning across the um, western U.S. as we had a heat dome is what they called it. And um, so they said the wildfires burning across one million acres of western U.S. and Canada. Mm. And we are still, we are still in it. So there you go, climate change denying folks. <laughs> really? Listen. They said that a heat dome is what they're calling it, killed one billion sea creatures in the Pacific North. They said temperatures were 104 degrees on the coast. Damn. Yep. Wow. They said the phenomenon could happen every five to ten years is what their estimates are. Because they had Mm. five days of um, extreme heat. Mm. Wow. Now, you know, getting your flu shot, is they're saying, could slash the risk of being hospitalized for COVID by up to 60%, according hmm. to the study. So an analysis of nearly 75,000 um, coronavirus pa- patients in the U.S. and the U- U.K. and the U.S. Um, found that those who received an influenza shot were 60% less likely to end up in emergency room. Hmm. So if you don't want to get a COVID shot, get a get a flu shot. Just guessing what. Now again, if you normally get a flu shot, I don't know why you wouldn't take the COVID, but that's a whole nother story. All right. So um, they said fully vaccinated Americans will be allowed to travel to Canada starting in mid-August, um, more than a year after the border was closed to non-essential travel. So if you're fully vaccinated, you will be allowed to tra- um, travel to Canada. Um, mm. In late August or mid-August to early September, should be able to do that. Now, legalizing marijuana leads to an 8% drop in opioid-related ER visits for the first six months. Um, that law goes into effect, according to a new study. So legalizing recreational marijuana, they say, could reduce hospitalizations from COVID-19, at least temporarily. That's according to the study. And that research combats the idea that marijuana leads to opioid use. So I didn't know oh. smoking weed help you with COVID, but that's a whole other <laughs> you know, whatever helps. Wow. This, this be, this, hey, this will be our new health segment. <laughs> this will be positive smoking weed. They're saying that Chuck Schumann and uh, Cory Booker is another senator trying to uh, Pass it federally, Les. Well, I'm like, well, y'all need to, man. Stop playing. <laughs> yeah. And just think of it as how prohibition was. There used to be a prohibition in this country that you could not drink alcohol. And they mm-hmm. would put your bail if they found you with alcohol. Hmm. So, yeah, wow. that that stuff should be, uh, that should be gone, too. Now, Johnson & Johnson recalled five of its Neutrogena and um, um, I can't pronounce it, but I guess it's Aveeno aerosol spray um, sunscreens after it found cancer-causing um, chemical benzene in its sample. So Johnson & Johnson told customers on Wednesday to immediately stop using the product and discard them out of an abundance of caution. Didn't Johnson & Johnson already have this problem with mm-hmm. the baby? Yep. Okay. Yeah, with the, with the uh, shower to shower. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think they had a incident with this. Um, also, 
You know, the Eiffel Tower is set to reopen nine months after it closed due to um, COVID. It's the longest period that um, the tourists have been banned since World War II. Wow. I didn't know this. They said the Eiffel Tower attracts some 7 million tourists a year. That's a mm. lot of people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it has reopened for those people who want to go see the Eiffel Tower. I, I don't know. I, I'm like this. I can just take a picture. Matter of fact, send me a postcard. I don't even need to go. <laughs> like, I need to go. It's like, wow, that thing's big. Um, what are we going to eat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went to, Jay and I went to the Eiffel Tower, man. Or, no, Jay didn't go with us. Yeah, we went to the Eiffel Tower, man. Yep. Uh-huh. Oh, it, cool. it was something to see, man. Oh, that was back in the 90s we went, though. Did you go up to the top of it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I, was say, I don't know how. I mean, I, I don't know how tall it is, but you know, oh, I've been on the plane. Up, man. It, it's no joke, man. <laughs> it, it's no joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like to I like to go in things that's air. Um, uh, what is it called? Um, aerodynamic enough. So that if it's coming down, we can glide down it. <laughs> I'm not that works with that, but I, I'll, uh, I'll I'll have to save that one. I'll have to save that trip. Mm-hmm. Now, a, a California neuropath um, doctor, 41, was arrested for selling bogus pills. I'm sorry, she was 41. Um, that she claimed provided lifelong immunity to COVID. And a fake oh Moderna card. She had fake vaccine cards, and she's so wow. focused. So she's yeah. a licensed uh, doctor in California, Julie uh, uh, Massa, forty-one. She has been charged with one count of wire fraud and one count of false statements related to the healthcare matters stemming from COVID nineteen. That's, yeah. that's how disrespectful people are, right? Yeah. You're gonna put everybody else's life at risk because you don't believe something. Hmm. Wow. Now, you know, speaking of doctors, you know, a Florida doctor was arrested for his role in the assassination of Haitian president. Um, um, He had campaigned to replace him. Like, Hmm. so the U.S. State Department is saying he backed the key U.N. official and business leader, uh, a business leader to reform the poverty. I'm not going to say that, but. They, they revealed that the, the Florida-based doctor, Kristen Emanuel Sanon, um, launched a website last month specifically calling for the ouster of um, the Haitian president. And um, I don't know if you saw this, but several suspects uh, were arrested for um, taking part in the assassination of the president. Um, and they said they were U.S. informants is where some of the uh, suspects were. So one suspect was a Haitian man who had been an informant for the U.S. Um, drug the drug enforcement, DEA, Drug Enforcement Administration, uh, is what the DEA official said on Monday. The official who spoke on conditions of anonymity declined to name the informant, but he was identified as Joseph Vincent, 55, by the Miami Herald. Some other former informants worked for the FBI um, is what CNN reported. The agency refused to comment on the allegations, but said it used lawful resources to collect intelligence in its investigation. Mm-hmm. And it comes out as an associate um, of the alleged mastermind of the plot, a U.S. Haitian um, 
um, the doctor, Florida doctor, claimed that mission was supposed to save Haiti from hell with the support of the U.S. government. <laughs> so get that. The U.S. government overthrow Haiti. Wow. Again. Mm. And, and again, this is where Biden is saying um, they don't plan on sending in troops. Of course not, because you're trying to overthrow Haiti. <laughs> now, wow. this would have happened. Here is where I, you know, think that Hillary Clinton and Biden is always on the same page. Like, you can only go but so far, but the system seems to protect itself. You know, Biden is, you know, is progressive a little bit when he's made to be progressive, but he is cut from the same cloth as the rest of them. Mm. I'm not going to be conspiracy theorist on this, but I don't expect him to be any more than what he is. I just know that he's better than Trump. Yeah. But that's not proven to be any good for Haiti or Cuba. So, again, before I do a commentary next week on Cuba, because <laughs> I really feel like it, that <laughs> uh, watch how you watch the news. Figure out what they're trying to tell you, then you can figure out what they're not telling you. Mm. Now, a Florida deputy, um, 28, is jailed for more than 12 years after being caught on a body cam for planting drugs on a driver doing a minor traffic stop because he wanted to join the narcotic division. Mm. It, it forced prosecutors to drop 120 cases. So a former Jackson County deputy, Zachary, uh, Zachary um, Wester, was, been, was sentenced to more than 12 years in prison for planting drugs on innocent drivers mm. and had arrested. Uh, and then he arrested them. But it, it is bad as hell. You know, just random women, he's planting drugs on them and getting them arrested. Mm. You're ruining somebody's life because Almost you want to join their... Yep. Wow. Yep. And nobody thought to ask him, how come you're getting so many narcotics arrests? They found drugs in his patrol car that he was planting on people. Mm. So they can't act like um, that was um, just one bad apple. He had his game plan down. Because he wanted to become a narcotics agent. Yeah. And for what? Yeah. You know what all of that is about? You know, when you want to you, you wanna show dominance, right? You want to, you know, that whole overly masculine testosterone thing, right? Mm. Mm. So, um, yeah, speaking of crazy people, a former caretaker at an Alabama assistant living facility is charged with stealing $9 million from an elderly woman who lived at the home. What? She stole nine million. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. If she had nine million dollars, why was she in a care facility, man? Why couldn't she have somebody at her house taken care of? That's well, what I want to know. Well, well, you know, sometimes you know when people go to healthcare facilities like that, sometimes they don't have no family. People mm. sit on money. I guess that's why they donate them to like hospitals and charities and stuff. When you don't have the folks to, to give that money to or somebody to oversee your money, that's where conservative shits come in. That's why Britney Spears stuff is crazy. What is yeah. Britney Spears? What, 30, like 39 or 37 or something? Yeah. Her is taking care of her money. She, that girl has her senses 
that if she mm-hmm. wants to spend all, she should be able to do it. Yeah, because she's worth like sixty million, and her father's yeah. in charge of all of her money. Come yeah. on, dog, stop, really? Yep. <laughs> Again, we're doing these news stories because people seem to miss the obvious when it comes to stuff like that. They're mm-hmm. sending that girl, and she can she can spend her own money. She right. Waste it, let her waste it. Yeah, it's hard. She made it. You didn't make it. Right. Right. Now, a French judge is fired for offering to get this sex with his 12-year-old daughter on a white swapping website. He is 55. He's the president of a law court, and um, he was removed by a judicial disciplinary authority after advertising his 12-year-old daughter on a partner-swapping website. Again, he's going to be in jail. Yeah. Losing his job is not... He got fired. That's the news story. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. He should be under the jail. Yeah, exactly. See, I don't I don't feel sorry for nobody who... Any mm. kind of rape, child endangerment, I don't feel sorry for nobody. Nope. Me either. Yeah. Now, you know, the FBI is still searching for um, those involved in that January 6th insurrection. To date, the FBI has arrested 535 individuals for very uh, for a variety of crimes on that day, and, but some of the most violent offenders still have not been found, hmm. including, including the ones they caught on camera. Really? So, yeah. So the FBI released 11 new videos of suspects um, involved in the class with law enforcement, and it's one of the largest criminal investigations in U.S. history. And they still haven't gotten everything yet. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. But if they was black, they'd get them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey. Remember the recognition and every damn thing else they'd be going for, man. Wow. Yeah. Remember the, that woman, Susan Smith? Mm-hmm. Now, now, they said um, Capitol Rioter, who told cops that she, want, that she wanted to lynch Nancy Pelosi, quotes the Bible in court saying the law doesn't apply to her because she has divine empowerment. <laughs> so calling <laughs> power oh, has, my God. Uh, has stormed the Capitol, but she said, could be heard saying that she wanted to hang Nancy Pelosi. But, but we can't charge her for that because she has divine empowerment. Whatever that means to her. Is mm. uh, is what it means to her. Have you heard that they're letting these people off with? Yeah, uh, they're letting them. Yeah, letting them slide, man. I'm like, my yeah. God, what 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 is what is the world coming to, man? Again, it's a part of our pathology of saying white folks aren't dangerous. No, they can they can shoot up 20 people and they will let them go, and a black person can steal a slice of pizza, in, mm. in their fear. They feel like, oh my gosh, you don't know what they'll do if they'll steal pizza. Mm-hmm. This is hypocrisy that we have to look at. That's that's why I say that you know in the early part of the Cosby story, is how we look at it, opposed to knowing that our outrage should be in stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. You know, you're just letting people off after they're you know putting shooting bear spray spray in the police face and hitting them over the head and going in with, you know, flex cuffs and military gear trying to overthrow the government. And you'd be like, they was just playing. <laughs> right? That's, yeah, that's they weren't serious about it. You know, come on, dog. Really? This is yeah. crazy to me. 
Yeah, and you saw the story where the black folks had, uh, they were going to train, and I guess in, I don't know if it was Maine or Vermont, and they had on camouflage or whatever, and the police used some kind of sonic thing to subdue all of the black folks. And the black folks mm. wasn't resisting. Wow. And they bragged about it. They bragged about it. Mm. All right, so I don't, do you know who the singer Billy English is? No. Girl? All right, so she sparked black, backlash for saying that she identifies with the Boondocks character, Cindy McPherson. <laughs> now, you know the Boondocks is yeah. the satire of a suburban white girl appropriating black cu- culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, three weeks after she apologized for using a racial slur, she reportedly played, praised Cindy's bossy attitude and mentioned it several times about how much she loved Cindy and always stood up for her friends on an interview. Now, I know this girl is young. Mm-hmm. But she's been accused of using a black scent, you know, like having a black stereotype of language. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, Cindy was oblivious to racial issues as well. So Twitter, on Twitter, users were writing, it's actually funny that she feels connected to Cindy because they're the same. Cindy's <laughs> a white girl from the suburbs, no connection to blackness, but still puts on a black scent for no reason. And that's Billy herself. <laughs> yeah. Billy English, she's really popular. She's a young girl. She might be, what, like 18 or 19 or something. But, you know, black folks, white folks will wear blackface, and I mean black culture, and then act like, I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> the same thing I think of that girl, Iggy Azalea. You know, T.I. was like, I ain't messing with her no more. Because when he brought her on, and, you know, she got a couple of hits under her belt. She's Australian. So she's like, she probably has Beyonce money because she's representing the whole country in her black scent. You know, she dated a few black guys. She got her spread. And now she's like, I don't need y'all. <laughs> like, she's out. <laughs> yep. So, you know, there's an actor... Um, I don't know who this guy is. Drake Bell, who's been sentenced to two years probation for child endangerment related to a girl who he met online and attended one of his concerts when she was 15. So the 35-year-old Nickelodeon star, Jared Drake Bell, received 100 hours community service to be served in the state of California. Um, And the sentence was handed down by a Cleveland judge. So they're like, oh, you don't have to go to jail in Cleveland. You can just do community service in California. Don't this sound like what happened to... Didn't I just talk Dude. about this with Paris uh, Hilton? Yeah, I, I saw this story, and I was on TMZ, and I'm thinking to myself, Dude, you've been with this girl since she was 11, grooming her to, 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 to molest her, and then you don't get any jail time? You get off with nope. two years? Really? Nope. Probation? Here, yeah. And he addressed the mm. court by saying... I just want to say that I accept this plea because my contact, my conduct was wrong. That's yeah. what he said doing this. I couldn't believe that when I saw this story. I was like, what the hell? And and, and, and I actually was sitting here watching this with a white dude. He said, man, he should be thrown up under the jail. I was like, yeah, but you know that ain't going to happen. He said, yeah, I right. know why. <laughs> right, right. Because, again... And the whole Cosby theme of today's show is that 
Cosby would have been thrown under a jail. He got thrown in jail because he admitted to giving um, people, like, having available something in case somebody wanted it. Like, if you say, I had alcohol, but I didn't make you drink it, but you got drunk, you can't blame me for having alcohol. Mm-hmm. And this guy groomed this girl. And authorities... Um, have said the girl who attended his 2017 concert in Cleveland contacted Toronto police in October 2018 over the incident. And um, he, they said that, um, I guess, in her impact statement prior to sentencing, the girl is now 19. She claimed that Bell sexually abused her and she called him a monster. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I saw yeah. that. I couldn't believe it, man. I was like, this when I saw that, I, I, I was like, why is this guy not under the jail? This yeah. guy, he, he was messing around us when she was 11 or 12 years old, man. Yeah, it's sir. like, oh, my God. It's just crazy. Yeah. You know, um, Byron Allen now owns 24 stations in 20 markets. He can tend to expand his entertainment empire. Um, he's the founder and chairman of Allen Media Group parent company of like the grill and all these other space stuff but he hmm. purchased his 24th station this week so hmm. um he, he said he want to own um cnn that's what he said oh, so over wow. half year and a half this is alan we've invested close to a billion dollars to in- acquire the best in class top tier broadcast network affiliates and we plan to invest approximately 10 billion dollars to acquire more ABC, CBS, CNN, I'm sorry, ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox television stations over the next two years with the goal of being the largest broadcast television group in America. Mm. Iron Allen. This is quietly doing this. Mm -hmm. Because nobody's reporting this on on national news. You got Sinclair, who is like the Fox News buying up all of these local affiliates. And Byron Allen is on their tail. <laughs> wow. I'm going to have to reach out to Byron Allen. I got much respect for him for doing that. No, without a doubt. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you if you heard this, but you know the NFL is planning to play the Black National Anthem before every before their games this season? What? Yep. Lift every voice and sing, mm. uh, which is... Uh, referred to as the Black National Anthem, will be performed before the Star Spangled Banner during the season's openers on September 10th when Kansas City Chiefs host the Houston Texans. Uh, the NFL, in collaboration with NFL Players Association, is also considering featuring the names of victims who suffered suffered police brutality on uniforms, helmets, or patches on jerseys. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Now, so the, just, yeah. The league hopes to demonstrate a genuine commitment to the public, players, and coaches that the players' voices continue to be heard is what a source said. Now, let me tell you what this source said in show. I don't trust them worth squat because Colin Kaepernick does not have a damn job. Exactly. So hire black coaches. Mm-mm. And I, I, I was talking to a guy, a guy I used to work with. We were a fantasy football league. I said, watch, they will not hire one black coach this year, even though you had two black coaches in the Super Bowl. They won't hire none of them to make them head coaches. It's crazy. 
Yeah, you know the interesting thing is, I was um, someone mentioned this to me about the Black Panther anthem being played, and they asked me why did I think it was, and my response is, you know, just like the NBA, when most of your players are black, to keep control, you need to pacify them somehow. But when Colin Kaepernick was taking the knee, the the fans and the ownership was like, oh, we can't have this. But when they started losing their money, when black people stopped watching, they were trying to act like everything was back to normal, but it's not. Mm-hmm. So let's pacify black folks to bring them back in the fold. <laughs> I'm not sure that that's going to work. But no. I think they're only doing it for the season opener. Mm. You know, again, that's what being a colonizer is, right? It's like, yeah. what happens you control is that you it. want to, to, to bow down to what makes you feel happy or, or whatever. And then when that does not work, you integrate their culture into yours. And then you control, you know, I, I bet you with um, Lift Every Voice and Sing um, that the family or the descendants of the guy who wrote it is not getting royalties from the NFL. Oh no! Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. We didn't know who to give our money to, right? Like they, <laughs> they won't even find them. Mm-mm, they won't care until well, somebody until somebody gives a lawsuit, and then then they're in there, then they don't care. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't care about any of that stuff across the board. So, you know, I don't know how I feel about that yet, but we'll we'll have to talk about that limit before. <laughs> Here you go. Uh, Let's make Jay do lift every voice and sing um, every time we do a show. <laughs> I know Jay lifts. Jay's got to mute us. If you're here before a couple, just know that Jay did not like this idea. <laughs> Good be with us. That emergency podcast tone will be coming across the airways anytime we do the thing. Now, you know, uh, um, parents at uh, and students are demanding that a California school fires their Spanish teacher after audio emerges of her using the N-word twice in class, saying that it used to be a horrible and ugly word, but not anymore. So Catherine oh, no. Sanders, which we also like to call Kate or Karen, <laughs> Catherine Sanders, who teaches the seventh grade Spanish uh, class at Kit Carson International Academy in Sacramento, compared the N-word to the F-word in class on June 15th, saying that they are no longer ugly words. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah thanks, Catherine, for that. Um, I don't even know where she's going with that. Mm-mm. All right. Wow. Now, you know, okay, really quickly, you know, 11 people were killed by a lightning bolt. Uh, it struck while they were taking selfies on top of a watchtower in India, and it killed... <laughs> <laughs> it's two watchtowers and uh, killed 12 people. Mm. Okay. Stop taking selfies. And mental note, if you're on a big lightning rod, you really don't even want to be there. Taking selfies no. is just, yeah. Yeah, that's it. I just thought mm. I'd share that. Oh, one one bad story. Kraft cheese is um, they being a new macaroni and cheese flavored ice cream. And good oh, time. yeah. So that yuck. <laughs> yeah. They see with some bakery or some place in uh, ice creamery or something in Brooklyn, and they want to make. I don't know who would want to lick macaroni and cheese all day, but that's a whole other segment. No, nah, you can have it. <laughs> 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 right. 
didn't know if we had, had any time left. I know that was... I know nah, it, just, it just popped up and said that we're done. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, bro. We'll see you next week. All right. Call me right back. I need to tell you something. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Later.